Hello there, and welcome to the Literarily Trash Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Roseanne. I'm Vanessa. I'm Samantha. And I'm Stephanie. And we're four sisters who love to read, drink, and talk shit. If you check any of those boxes, or hell, if you're just looking for some solid entertainment, you've come to the right place. Our exclusive book club is now open to the public. So grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's talk some shit. Oh, and hey, listener discretion is advised. guys god damn it that was beautiful who's thirsty <laughs> it was the second shot that got me i thought you were done after the first but it was like, oh, I'm just... <laughs> that was great sam a nice two-shotter at 245 <laughs> nice. fuck it it's friday yeah it's friday it we made it guys it's we friday did. hey cheers right, to friday to cheers. friday cheers tink and it's my birthday tomorrow. That's right. Oh, yeah. I turn 32 Welcome tomorrow. Welcome to the old folks club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 32? Why? Gosh, you're you such are a young. Baby. Yeah, young. Yeah. That's why your tits look like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fair. Uh, actually, I mean, you know what happens when you take the bra off. Sad basset hound years. I think more like a like a deflated water balloon or something. Like a little, yeah, Sam, yours are not yeah, deflated like water balloons. National Geographic. No, Ask me how no, I know. Not anymore. Would you? Yeah. Would you like to <laughs> tell us how you know firsthand, literally? Please share. For the record, she I'll got share. a hand and I got the hand. So I had two hands. Did you? Did you? I'll, I'll did you do a two-hand squeeze, Nass, or just a one-hand? I just did the top oh. squeeze. I did the top. Of I it came in. I, I don't have top boob, so. I just wanted to know what it was like to grab top boob. I'm going to recap this. I'm going to do it as the responsible sister. So we went to St. Mary's to celebrate our grandfather's 80th birthday. And the last night of our trip, um, we were all hanging out. And the three whores that you so know and love in our group here, minus me, decided to stay up all night and drink two bottles of tequila is that true? Drive around on a golf cart. Yes, that's what Greg said. It was one and a half. One and a half. There was half a bottle left when I woke up in the grass <laughs> the next morning. Okay. That much tequila. Drive around in a golf cart. Touch each other's tits. Flash their ass. Yeah, and just do a lot of hoary activities. Can I say... We were and escorted. Then, we were not driving. Yes. We were not recklessly driving the golf cart. My husband did escort us, and he he did encourage, if not enjoy, everything that was just listed. <laughs> did you know that he wasn't taking a shot every time he brought y'all a shot? Did you of guys know Of course I that? know that. That's, what, that's his M.O. Of course we knew. He's not drinking. That's his M.O. Oh, I, 
I thought that he was taking a shot every time no. y'all were. And he was getting, like, royally blasted. He's like, no, I just had two shots. I was like, do they know that? He's like, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> but I thought he was, like, driving the drunk train, but he was just um, co-signing it. You guys want to know the best thing? Is that yeah. I don't even remember you the don't? movie action. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I'm telling you, tequila and wine do not oh God, go did, together. I, that is my fatal flaw. Did we assault flaw. you? Were you assaulted by us? I know, right? I'm like, was I no. awake? Like, no, I remember fondly. Samantha goes, hey, guys, want to see? And you lifted it for us. <laughs> we were like, yes. While you're here. We've been waiting for this. And she was like, you can touch him. Go ahead and feel him. And, 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 and yeah. yeah, and we did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hey, Greg was oh, not a cool. part of that. Uh, no, unfortunately, he had to have the headlights <laughs> no. off. He did miss that section. Um, we, what he did, nice. what, what he did was Greg <laughs> took us to. There was an observatory at this campground where we were, um, and it was a bird watching observatory. Um, so you know, we were all up in that a lot, and we had him take us back there to the observatory that night. And we sat by the pond. It was like a, honestly a dried up pond, but there was water down in there, and hundreds. I don't even know, maybe even thousands of frogs. They were so loud that night. It was like deafening. It was magical. We got to sit in the field, drink tequila. Nobody was bothering us. We were totally just like, we were we were safe, but we were at to be just like wild women out in nature, listening to frogs, doing whatever we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was fabulous. It was fabulous. No regrets. Yes. It was no, really nice. No regrets. No, I don't either. No, the pictures are great because all of them are blurry. <laughs> They are. But we were clearly having a good time, except for the one of Stephanie with and the sunglasses the on, sitting in the grass. <laughs> in the grass, in the grass with her skirt fanned around. Her. We did. We did find Samantha's sunglasses laying in the grass the next day too. We did. She was like, "Hey, those yeah, are we mine." Did. <laughs> yeah, we did. I yeah. forgot I lost. Them. I was yeah. at Great Trip. I will mm-hmm. say I was jealous of y'all's night because. Um, as a nod to our last episode, I am just fucking old and haggard. And like by that end of the night, I had two glasses of wine. I had a pounding headache. I couldn't get it to go away. And I was like, I got to go to bed and y'all stay up and have the best night of the whole fucking trip. And I'm not a part of any of it. And I'm just like, this is what I get for being old. Like the, but this is like the 10 year difference between like me and Stephanie. Like she's not afraid to hammer tequila and does not care about the repercussions of the next day. Whereas (laughs) I am terrified of that and will do anything to prevent that mothering hungover like i'm sorry that's my worst fear in the whole world Mm. so i am glad that you guys got to experience that fun bond together and i had a great time we got greg backed us down to the he backed us down to the boat ramp sammy and i we dropped vanessa off and then samantha was like i'm not ready yet and so greg gave us one more spin around we, we blasted Morgan Wallen. We backed down to the boat ramp. I don't uh-huh. remember the boat ramp very much because the Tila was definitely, yeah. I think he tried to give us like a oh, water vibe that we were like falling off. Like I don't think it was what he thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, and by the way, my yeah. three-year-old is draped across his arms while he's driving this golf cart, by the way. My yeah. three-year-old was a part of this. I know. I feel like mom of the year. We Yeah. Anyways, he had a great time. They both did. So whatever. He did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was super fun. It was fun going back to my phone and seeing what songs we downloaded. Like, that's always fun. Like, you know what kind nice. of night you have when you go back yeah. to your playlist? Yeah, we sang some Taylor Swift. There was definitely some of that. Did not that. Yeah, nice. I did. Yeah, I didn't either until I went back. So, yes. <laughs> well, this night was cool until you said that. Yeah, I will say I'm proud of us because we went for a hike the next day and sweated out our tequila. So that was, I mean, not only did we have the time of our lives but the next day we were like all right let's let's get the shits and the sweats going and let's 
Let's go for a little hike. Yeah, the shits and the sweats, pretty much. Yeah, no, we, we definitely... No, we did good. In fact, we didn't just go on a hike. We went on an early morning hike. Early morning. Mm-hmm. Like, by 8 a.m., we were fully mm-hmm. dressed and, like, you know, walking. And I didn't go to bed till 2.30 in the morning. Sam passed out in a pile of popcorn. In her bed. <laughs> just just in a shirt. Only a shirt and a whole ball of popcorn. <laughs> I saw it the next morning. I wish we had I a picture I should have taken a picture. That. I was helping her find something in her room, and I was like, literally, her room is just covered in popcorn. Like, it was on the floor. It was on her bed. It was popcorn everywhere. And I just, honestly, I love it. Obviously, we don't get to do, like, we don't do that in our day-to-day lives. We don't, like, we don't get to have moments like this. Like, I mean, I think we have them, like, you know, privately, you know, every now and again. But we don't get to, like, just do us and just, just be. be and not yeah. really like you said Roseanne we, we weren't caring about the repercussions Sam had to drive home the next day like she was done you know and Roseanne you did too oh, I, w- I woke up in a flurry. she hadn't packed like, her bag like, like, oh, yeah it was like, the whole thing um, yeah. and we just we didn't care about the repercussions we just lived in the moment so I, I enjoyed it yeah that's good it was a lot of fun um what else did we do while we were there Stephanie we we had a brainchild form while we were at the observatory we were just spending a morning one day having our coffee watching the birds like just kind of having some quiet sister time and i don't even remember it's like it came like boom 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 through all of our brains this idea basically to write a book together um to write like a like a a thriller novel together um and essentially we spent the whole weekend uh and mapped out an entire storyline for a book and we're not going to give you details we're not going to give it away we're not going to spoil it Um, but essentially what we're doing right now is, um, just starting, you know, a very rough draft of a book we're all writing together, um, told from the perspective of four sisters. So we're kind of like embodying ourselves in a story, which to me is just fun. It's just fun to put yourself in a situation like realistically, we're never going to be in that situation. Um, but I'm enjoying the storytelling part of just putting ourselves into it and living in this alternate universe for a little bit, um, in this story. So we're, uh, yeah, stay tuned. It's nice to put it out there in the world and have to be held accountable. So if like in a year we have not talked about this book again, call our asses out because it's a really good idea and it's good. Like we're having fun. We've already written parts of it and it's been, um, the whole outline is literally done. Like it's just a matter of, you know, getting in there and putting the meat to it. So it's just, yeah, stay tuned. And another fun thing we are doing is next Sunday in our little area, our OG favorite author in the whole entire world, Karen Slaughter, is coming to a bookstore, and she is um, signing copies of her new book. Uh, fuck, what's it called? After That Night. <laughs> Shit. After That Night. <laughs> I'm sorry, Karen. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, and I, I don't know if we're going to get to like chat with her or not, but we are coming in guns blazing with some custom shirts, and I just, I know, guys, we're going to get her attention. She's going to fucking love us, and I have a feeling this is going to be our big break. How could she not love but us, can, right? But can't you imagine, though? Like, what if we're not the only ones in custom-made shirts, like, meant to grab her attention? It's just a whole bunch of us no fangirling. No one's going to be... No, no one's going to be better than we'll us. Show, we'll show... We'll, we'll, we'll throw away... At, well, actually, by the time this episode goes out, we'll have pictures of us wearing the shirts. So you'll see the shirts um, when we do yes. the If You Know You Know yes. for this series. I, I feel like she's going to plug us. I just know she is. She's going to be like, you guys, there were these awesome, beautiful sisters there who had just the coolest shirt and they have a book hub podcast and they love me. Like, 
I mean, come on. We're going to grab mm-hmm. her attention. I know it. And to talk on her book a little bit. So after that night is the next book in her series, her Will Trent series, which is hands down my favorite book series ever written by anybody. I absolutely am obsessed with these characters. So this has been long anticipated. I think the last one came out when Beau was first born. So it's been three years since she put a book out in the series. Um, and so we're all hella excited to get our hands on it. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be the book we read for the maybe, what, October book of the month? Am I understanding that correctly? By the time it goes out, it's the October one? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So it's coming up. So if you are a Will Trent, Karen Slaughter fan, just know, baby, we're coming for you. And we're coming hard. Ew. That's what she says. <laughs> hey, she did watch one of our stories. So a couple. A couple. She's she har- She's liked them. Ooh, okay. She's watched a couple of Ooh. them. I know. We're, the, we're yeah. just... It's happening. We're close. She's I looking know. forward so, to it. I think she she's is. like, they're coming. She knows. Oh. <laughs> oh, I was going to totally send her a, a picture. Wait, 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 Vanessa. I don't give a fuck. Whoever sees this, whoever sees this, I'm sending her a picture of the shirts in a DM before we get there. She's going to be fucking ready for us. She's going to be like, where are these bitches at? I got to get them. I got to talk to them. And I don't care if it's her marketing person. I don't care if it's her cat. I don't care. Someone's going to tell her, these bitches are coming for you. Do you guys see? When you said her cat, it made me laugh because I, I, I was thinking, and Karen, this is said with love, but like, I really feel like Karen Slaughter's the one posting cat memes. Like, I feel like that's her. I don't feel like that's a marketing no. person making that decision for her. Absolutely. Absolutely. She is heavy with the cats on IG. Her and all the way. Funny. They're, they're good ones, usually. And her Facebook is memes. Like, she's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Karen Slaughter, if I had to guess. Which is why we love her. I'm, I'm, we're obsessed. Yeah. I'm gonna, we're, I think we're all taking our copies of Pretty Girls, which is our collective, like, all-time favorite Fave. Karen Slaughter book. So um, everyone has a copy? Yes. yes. Sam? Sam? I'm getting mine back from Michelle. I'm on Amazon now. Did you see somebody make a post on the Facebook about how they didn't like it? Yeah, fuck off. Did y'all see that? No. No, Who someone said... Someone said, I got Called a sick I, I read this book because you guys talked about it so much. And she's like, and I just read it. And it was so disturbing. I can't believe you guys recommended this to me. And she's like, if you loved it so much, why? And I just I just wrote on it. It's the best book of all time with the evil <laughs> meme. Oh, she uh, said oh, it to you. Emoji. Like someone from that Facebook group said it to no, you? No. Oh. Not to me, just in general. Oh. And I, I felt compelled to just comment and be like, I it's the you. best book I've ever read. Obviously, you're the one... In yeah, the you're the problem. And it is disturbing. Honestly, here. if a book if a book doesn't live with you, then it wasn't a good book. Like it, it, yeah. it needs to impact you, whether it was in a weird way, a good way, positive way, like it's gotta impact you to be worth it. Um, and that book definitely impacts you, like to where you don't wanna be a young hot blonde girl on a campus anymore. It was one of the first books that I have ever read where I had to take a reading break after reading it and it took Sam. me a while to pick up a book again after reading Pretty Girls. It took me a while. I was yeah. deeply affected by that book in all kinds of ways yeah it was it was a very uh yeah and if your book ain't doing that fucking move on mm-hmm. yeah frida i'm kidding i'm gonna take that out but frida that's how i feel about her books <laughs> same don't take it out people have been saying have you seen in the facebook group people say that frida is just ai writing books i know <laughs> oh no it's her a picture whole conspiracy kind of a little bit like them Rosie, you went to Walmart. Why, why, first of all, why, why the fuck were you in Walmart? Why were you in Walmart? You're not allowed. <laughs> Who put that in there? Roseanne, you did? I did. I did. 
Um, I went to Walmart for school supplies with my kid because he was going to kindergarten. So I got, I wanted to be, of course, the perfect mother and get all the supplies on the list for the teacher. I wanted her to be fully equipped to handle whatever she needed for my child's learning. And I walked in and the one had just been remodeled. Y'all, it was organized. It was neat. There was no crazy shit. There wasn't like supplies scattered everywhere and just like ghetto ratchet people like elbowing each other for things like it was very pleasant experience how long has it, it been nice. since you've been in a walmart <laughs> you, well, you only go to walmart on black friday when it's crazy in there so um, it sounds like <laughs> terrence has terrence has drugged me into walmart he fucking loves walmart he will go to walmart <laughs> for everything i have no qualms with walmart i don't know <sighs> anyways I, I actually i was like while i'm here let me grab some groceries i bought fucking fruit and they have good fruit? I didn't buy anything great value brand, but I walked out and I was, first of all, I walked in, there was a horrible thunderstorm brewing and I was like, wish me luck. I've got a thunderstorm. I got Walmart. I'm really in for it. But I walked out with a very pleasant experience. Roseanne's very afraid Shout of storms in case you needed to know that. And Walmart. And Walmart, apparently. Yeah. I I've overcome both. How are we raised in the same household? I don't give a fuck where my groceries come from. I don't give a fuck. I won't go to Publix because they're too expensive. Other than that, I don't give a shit. I do not care. I don't care. Uh, I don't have a big preference um, either. Thanks, Sam. I'm going to interject for five seconds because I'm sorry. I can hear my dogs barking, but I have to say the produce at Walmart is fucking trash. I yes, do not buy produce at Walmart. It is rotten. It is out of date. I can't even tell you how many times we have gotten something off the shelves at Walmart and it has been expired by at least two months. It's That's disgusting. Sick. It's gross. It's I do not let, make you guys shop at Publix. I don't let my kids get certain stuff from Walmart. If you want to buy bulk, like a big box of bagged individual chips or like big things of drink or something like that, like I'm all for it. But you don't get fresh produce and shit like that at Walmart. You just don't do it. I will never buy meat. At Walmart. No, I no, will fucking die than eat Walmart beef. Same. Yeah, no thanks. <sighs> well, you have before, and so. you will again. So <laughs> let me tell you right now, my nose will smell ground beef. Oh my god, her and I nose. will know if it's disgusting or not. I'm trying the to new, tell you. Right new, now. I'm gonna shave your nose the off your nose. face no. in, in five seconds. Excuse me, excuse me. I had a ground beef, shitty smelling nose before my surgery. <laughs> I've it's always been aware Look. of shitty ground beef. Roseanne's quote of the the last podcast was, "If there's a smell, I'm gonna smell I'm it." Gonna smell it. <laughs> like oh okay i am you're not gonna like crop dust me and i'm not gonna know who did it i will trail it and i will find you well i know for a fact you had great value water when you came to my house recently and probably if i'm honest some great value food Uh, i can't think of it right now what i had but Uh, i will tell you when i got home from mowing down your buffalo dip my stomach was not well (laughs) i mean And that's the God's honest truth. It was spicy, though. (laughs) It was spicy. It had a kick to it. Or was it rotten chicken? Who knows? (laughs) Uh, The chicken was from Aldi. Same thing. Whatever. No, no. Don't even. Don't you come for Aldi. Don't you come for Aldi. (laughs) Mm -mm. Speaking of my son's birthday party, I do have a video I will be posting in the stories of Roseanne. We we had an 18-foot water slide at my son's party. My son is three. Guess who didn't use it? My son. Everyone else did, though. The adults did. Um, The adults, in fact, probably, I will say my lower back struggled for probably a week after that party from going down that slide. Um, 
it was like being at a water park. Um, but I do have videos of Roseanne and I going down this slide, living our best lives. Um, the tequila was flowing in my son's party. I'll say Stephanie was living her best life. I begrudgingly got on it one time, screamed the whole way down per usual. <laughs> Thought right. I was going to fly off and die. Um, but Stephanie, again, was living her best 32-year-old life on this water slide, not fearing repercussions of tequila or back pain. Do you see a theme here? Roseanne worries too much. She worries too much about tomorrow. You got to live in the moment. What if you died on the way home and you didn't have your last day living your best life? Like, that's it. That's Yeah, how do I get over that? I've been I've been telling myself I'm going to start Who's a therapist. I'm going to Let's do this now. No, I've been telling myself I'm going to start living for my 80-year-old self and what does my 80-year-old self want? Mm-hmm. What's your 80-year-old self want to say at the end of the day? Yeah, I've you been know? doing the same thing. Is that that honestly that I don't I'm not missing anything. Yeah. Like that I'm not regretting yeah. anything. Like I'm not I should have done this, I should have done that. Like that's my worst fear is that I lay my head down to die because that's what's going to happen. I'm going to pass away peacefully. Sure. Um that I want <laughs> I want to know that like I have no regrets. Like I'm ready to go. Like I want to yeah. be ready when it's time to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me that means I don't feel like that. Maybe I should. Well, well, I mean I, I did a lot in my 30s. I, I did a lot, so I'm good. But I don't. I don't want you to stop. Your your 30s wasn't like the end of your life. Like you are not old. You have another, God willing, 30, 40, 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah, like, we're saying you've got a long ass way to go. What's the math here? I don't yeah. even know. But like you've got a long ways to go. 40 years, at 40 least. Years. Yeah, at least, least in your 80s. Yeah. We we have to be in our 80s together. It's gonna be so fun. Are, yeah. I know. We're yeah. gonna be so fun. You know what makes we're me gonna really be like it's the the Golden Girls. Let me bring y'all down for yes, a second. But I'm going to die first. Yeah, let me bring y'all down for a second. First. It makes me really sad to think being the youngest, there's a possibility I might watch all three of you die before I go. In fact, I might see yeah. everyone in my family die before I go. That's true. Including my Jesus. husband. Like, you know, he's only two years older than me, but like there's a chance that like, you know, if, if age is the factor, I mean, it could obviously, you know, knock on wood, anything can happen. But if it's age is the factor and just the natural progression of life, Chances are strong. I will see everyone in our family go, except for the kids. Though you know, I'll see all the kids. All right, we'll write my eulogy, please. Of course, I'll write all of your yeah. eulogies. You're in charge. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. I think heaven may be the first child to die, considering she recently did <laughs> some spray paint action. <laughs> I was like, oh god. Oh yeah, her spray paint. Honestly, though, Ooh, yes, I loved bro. it. I know, right? Honestly, I'm I'm trying to be mad, so I got to tell you guys. So I so um, Heaven has been spending extra time at home. She's under a little restriction right now, um, and so she when she wants to like get out, she's creative. She likes artsy stuff, and uh, I go for a walk outside, and I notice the windows are open. I should have known something was up if her windows in her bedroom are open. Like something's up, right? <laughs> um, so I get inside and I smell spray paint, and she's like, "Mom, come see my room," and I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I go in there, and this girl has spray painted hearts on her wall. Um, like just take it upon herself to get spray paint out of the barn and spray it on her wall. I don't even know what to say, to be honest. Like I look at it, I'm like, wow, like, holy shit. I walk away. I have a meeting coming up. I'm sitting on a meeting and I get a note from heaven under my door and it says, let me hang on. Let me read it exactly. It's on her bulletin board. Yes. (laughs) It says, I'm sorry. I put spray paint on my wall. I couldn't help it. I'm sorry, but it looks cool. Right? Like that's the (laughs) note that I got. It came under your I'm door. Like, oh, it slid under your door. I didn't know that. That's oh, so yes. Funny. I was on a work call. Yes. This slides. She literally slid it, had it folded like a note at school. Oh, my slid God. Slid it under my door. It said, to mom from heaven. Yeah. I didn't mean to. 
God. I'll have to post pics oh, on, the, on our Instagram. Um, it doesn't look horrible. I agree. But, but yeah, apparently she just, you know. Well, you showed, us, she you showed us her other piece of work, her artwork on the wall, which is the, the core line that Roseanne called. Uh, what did you yes. say, Roseanne? I don't even remember what you called it. <laughs> I, it was probably something simple like just fucking hideous. <laughs> yeah, she did. She said it was super creepy or something like that. It's disgusting. Yes. She's also obsessed with Coraline. So we also have a Coraline on the wall as well. Um, that's how she, I guess, lets out her anger is through art. Her anger. It could be worse ways. Yeah. It could be worse. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that carries her well between her soccer and her creativity and her, you know. She's got outlets. Mm-hmm. She's got outlets, which a lot of people don't have. I don't know that Roseanne has an outlet right now. Wow. Called you out. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I just, I, I mean, like I said in the last episode, I, I'm at a point in my life where I just want to be fucking chill and just be a lame ass mother. And that's what I'm doing. And I worry about tomorrow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I worry about tomorrow. I was, I was a drunk whore for a really long time, guys. I mean, like I, I got it out. Yeah. I, I lived my best life. Like I am so good being chill right now. Okay. For the record, everyone listening, the for three of us are not whores. We're all married. We don't know where Roseanne <laughs> was truly a drunken whore. We actually are not. Um, We're just drunk. Roseanne sent in our family chat, which includes our grandfather. One morning, has anyone seen three drunken whores on a golf cart? Like that's what she sent out in the family chat. I have a screenshot to put in the if you know, you know, because that's how she addresses us. I will say, um, okay, so here's an example. The morning you bitches took off to go do something very simple and easy i was left with tristan and Bo, and i had to pack 11 sandwiches for the beach that day while these three whores are out prancing around on a golf cart hanging out in a bird blind conjuring up a book where oh who guess who dies the bitch gave me fucking sandwiches and caring for everybody so yes as you can see how it's going like that's a great example of what i was doing and what you were doing it's true. My child, you know, my kid can fend for himself. You could have left him feral out in the woods, and he would have been all right. Yours too. You could have came with us. No one made you stay. There was no adult. <laughs> None. We're leaving a four and a three year old. Hey, tough it up, dudes. Okay, if I can tell you what happened, we were supposed to go get a charger from Vanessa's camper, but one thing turned into another, and we had to go to her house. Of course. And then on the mm-hmm. way back, we thought, let's just stop by the observatory. And then we were just sitting there, and the birds started showing up, and we couldn't oh. leave as soon as we got there. Oh, of course not, because she, she got her fucking Merlin app going. She's like, oh my God, there's a brown speckled pear. Oh my God, there's a white whistle walker. Oh, this shit. That's exactly accurate. <laughs> that is so accurate. Yeah, so. Anyways, while I'm slaving away, like, fucking um, feeding the homeless over here, <laughs> that's what they're doing. Anyways, you should live more in the moment, Roseanne. Yes. It's fun here. <laughs> if I stop doing a lot of tasks, I'll stop doing it's that. It's fun here. <laughs> you know who else thinks it's probably fun here? The fucking aliens. Can I real quick hop on on to Aliens? And then we'll move on to the book. Guys, I promise you're probably like, wrap it up, sluts. But, okay. In case you've been under a rock, three former military officers came out, had a congressional hearing, and they straight up said the government's hiding information about UFOs to you guys, which they're trying to call UAPs now. Like, it's like Mean Girls. You're Stop trying to make Fetch happen. Like, stop trying to make UAPs happen. It's UFOs. (laughs) Let's move on. Um, 
They testified in, about all the unexplained object sightings that they have seen and they have video footage of and said there's non-human biological matter. Like, my mind is fucking blown. So, if anyone else is in the same boat, I've been heavily looking at alien memes, sharing them, because I'm just, like, in a head spin right now. So, that's been very interesting to me. I mean, I mean, quick vote. Who else did not think there was aliens? Because, like, I, I always believed there was aliens. I did not. Sammy thought there was I aliens? I always thought there were aliens. Nessie thought yeah, there was aliens. Well, again, I'm the weak link. Because <laughs> you follow the Bible. Okay, well. Well, <laughs> well Stein, I did it. Bitch. I mean, we grew up in a heavily... <laughs> heavily religious uh, household and I guess I was always taught that there weren't any and I just was like yeah of course not because it was like safe yeah I think to, no. for me it literally came down to <laughs> like not safe. for me it came down to the, the, the literal size of the universe and how it just we cannot be the only ones with how much with how intense life on earth is and how everything is so connected we cannot be the only planet where that exists it's got to be elsewhere it's got to be no doubts I don't know. I'm my mind is blown. I'm going down rabbit holes. Like I am deep diving. It's been fun. Can we go back to what the fuck a UAP is? What is that? Yeah. Does anybody unexplained even know what that means? Aerial. Yes, unexplained aerial phenomenon. Wow. What the fuck? No, that's dumb. Okay. I thought it was UFO. That's dumb. What happened to UFO? Is that not the word anymore? <laughs> no, they're trying to make it happen. Yeah. Oh, because they have to make yeah. it sound different. Samantha's like Karen, where she puts her K on backwards in the mirror. Mean Girls. <laughs> Wait, Heaven is obsessed with Mean Girls right now. Is she? <laughs> yes. Yes. We watched it the other night. It's actually a good movie. And she's going to wear pink on Wednesdays. Cute. Or is it Thursdays? Shit. I don't know. Whatever nice. day it is. Yeah. You can't sit with us. Nice. I thought it was Wednesdays. Yeah. I don't know. Is it Wednesdays? Uh, I know. I was like, I'm going to pick you up in my pink okay. hat. That's cute. <laughs> And you're going to be like, and you're, um, I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> yeah. What was those fuzzy velour PJs called? Oh, Shit. yeah. Juicy pants. Or juicy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Sam. I yeah. Can... The juicy on the ass. Hey, <laughs> do it, Samantha. Please do it. Yeah. Juicy on the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie had a, um, alleged. Uh, yeah. If I could just have. Alien sighting. Uh, 30 seconds to talk about the fucking Starlink, which, by the way, I'm just going to say, I apparently do not pay attention to media releases. I had no idea what Starlink looked like flying through the sky. It's very important to say that. When we got home from the St. Mary's trip, I needed a pool night. My back hurt from being in the car all day. So I had a pool night, and the sky was beautifully clear. I could see everything. The moon was huge. It was right before that big old super moon we had earlier this month. We're in August right now. And I just, out of, out of the corner of my eye, I just saw this train of lights starting to come across the sky. And I told Greg, I was like, Greg, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, what? I said that probably a hundred times over the next 60 seconds because we watched this train of lights fly over the sky above our heads. And what it was, was apparently the Starlink satellites launching into orbit. What I thought it was, was fucking UAPs heading east using the power of the supermoon, which it was flying towards, to pull it in that direction as it headed towards Atlanta for an invasion. Okay. Okay, that's what I thought was happening. And I watched as the International Space Station intersected these satellites above my head in the sky. So what I saw was the mothership UFO, which was very big and very bright, 
flying horizontally across the sky towards the satellite, splitting them, flying through the center, lining up in formation, and then flying through the sky east towards Atlanta. That's what I saw. I was so shook. I think shook is the word kids are using these days. All right. I was shook to my core. Um, I called Quentin, our brother, who is an alien believer man. He's like, he would host parties for them, I think, if he could. Like, welcome them into his home. Actually, he'd be pissed off at me. Don't listen to this, Quentin. He hates when we don't take it seriously. That's how, that's how he is. <laughs> I take it seriously. I'm a believer now. I called him in an absolute panic because I thought for sure what I was witnessing was a UFO invasion heading towards a major city. I swear to God. Like, that's what my gut told me was happening before me. Turns out it was just a satellite. So they say. Was that before or after you texted that you called Quentin? That you texted to the group? I think I texted and I texted him at the same time and I said, if you're awake, call me immediately. Oh, I texted you guys after. I texted Quentin first thing. Greg was texting the group chat, but I was texting Quentin solo. Okay, I was just wondering like how long you were going to take to warn us of the alien invasion. I did not. Heading to Atlanta. I did not warn you guys. Um, I did not. Interesting. No. Interesting. I was working through it with Quentin. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I was working working through it. This is why I worry about tomorrow because we got these fucking <laughs> guys. Millennial, I I'm borderline Gen Zs running the world for us. I'm, I'm telling you, Roseanne, I was, what the fuck would you have done anyway? That's what that's what I'm saying. What would you have done, Roseanne? It was if it was coming. What were you going to do? Pack your put on pack my lunch? fucking aluminum foil hat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> guys, yeah. let me make eleven Maybe sandwiches. sandwiches. <laughs> hey. We need sandwiches. That's important. <laughs> we have we know. have decided if know. there is any sort of uh, end of the world apocalyptic. Like our family is pretty resourceful. Like as a whole, we all are very capable people. Both you know in modern day and outside in the world. Roseanne doesn't have much to offer, but what she does have to offer, okay, because she has to have you know special kind of water. But what she does offer is her ability to cook. She's a pioneer woman. For the family, she will. You're fucking she right. She will throw down yeah. massive meals. She does campfire cooking very well, very well. Mm-hmm. Yes, surprisingly. Yeah, she does cast iron yeah. cooking very well. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. Anyways, no, there was no warning, thank but you. I would. So you- I will say, in that moment, I thought to myself, Stephanie, if you die tonight in this pool with your husband, your son is sleeping well in his bed. You just got back from a good family vacation. Like I felt okay to die that night. I will. I'm gonna be real honest. That was a real thought. Yeah. Wow. I was like, if this is how I die, this is That's how I die. That's why she didn't call yeah. us. Well, no, I mean, because it was, it was truly, I mean, honestly, oh, wow. I'm not going to lie. I was truly scared. Like, it was terrifying. I had no idea what I was seeing. If you don't know what Starlink looks like, if you've never seen a satellite launch in the sky, it would feel a little overwhelming to see what we saw. Like, it was very overwhelming to look at. So, it's a, have you looked at it, Sammy? I'm looking oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and Google Starlink <laughs> like, with International should, Space yeah. Station <laughs> flying through the sky. Go. It's like little dots. Does it leave little dots? Yes, it's a train of lights flying actively bright through the sky. It never faded, never nothing. Oh. Actively flying like that through the sky. It was terrifying. Okay. I'm going to take a breath. I know, you're getting all red, chested. Some water. (laughs) I know, my voice was elevated, my pitch was up. (laughs) It was like um, the next morning after the horrors drunken night, we were on the boat and Ben took us for a little, uh, you know, just a little boat ride with the boys and we saw some dolphins this bitch i'm pretty sure almost orgasmed when she saw five together she was like oh my god and she was like they hooked back up and i'm like are you okay she was like literally freaking out because she saw one after another and it was just like you know in quick succession like she was just jizzing all over the place i was like okay 
What's so funny is I remember <laughs> myself. Right. I, I remember myself as being so calm on the boat. So the fact that you don't remember that. No, it was it was the sentence. It was like, oh my god, they hooked back up. <laughs> it was that exact. But she sentence. went with them. <laughs> it was just so funny to me. I was like, oh my god, no wonder Bo's so dramatic. You just, know, like, I remember that. I remember Bo's drama. Bo was so excited about what was happening on the boat. I, I have the video of her. Yeah, it was. It was honestly the cutest thing yeah. I have ever seen. He um, gets you his drama seen from us. you. Yeah. Hardcore. You should have seen us just two nights ago. The sunset was gorgeous, and it was reflecting off my sunflowers. He and I hauled ass out of our house down the stairs with our cameras, and we're out there getting. I'll, I'll post some in the. If you know, you know. We were getting <laughs> photos of the sunflowers, and he was all, "Oh my god, look at it!" Like he was like <laughs> in it with me. Yeah, if that's where he gets it, it's honest. We yeah, we're that hype about everything. You're everything. you're very you're very hype about everything. Yeah, yeah me yeah, nature sure. gets me off. Like it gets me off for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do not edit. <laughs> I can't wait to post a lot of pictures of flowers that look like penises later. Oh yes, that's a great idea. Hey, speak. Have you yes. guys know that mom calls? So when you uh, get like the core out of a strawberry, it's like this little weird like pink thing. I mom know. calls it pink penises. <laughs> She's so disgusting. Yes, she wow. does. She's like, do you want to get the pink penises? I'm like, you know what I do? Everything's a, a phallic symbol. Why is everything symbol. a phallic symbol? A phallic symbol. Yes. The churches. The phallic p- symbol. <laughs> everything. What is she, Elton John? Thinks but you know what? Like I did. I did watch this thing on the History Channel because I'm, you know, it's what I watch when I go to bed. And there was a whole episode on nothing but phallic symbols and their symbolism in like it's true so in like society mm-hmm. it's a true thing so i don't know where mom why mom's so obsessed with it but she is mm-hmm. it's a thing maybe she watched the show she does have know. six kids obviously she's into the phallic symbols mm-hmm. oh god at least six times at least let's Ugh. change this Four, conversation seven, eight. yeah <laughs> well are we done bantering shall we get into the book <laughs> for yeah. our long-awaited new episode where we've talked nothing but shit for 39 minutes Enjoy. now. Okay, episode 47, just kidding. Episode 6, The Quiet Tenant by Clemence Michelon. Hey. You like how I did that? Is that, hey, that wasn't yeah, bad. I did. Why did Samantha struggle so bad? First of all, whores. I didn't struggle. <laughs> I took my time. I watched YouTube videos to try and get it right, and I practiced. <laughs> Vanessa, wow. Vanessa dragged you. I don't, I don't, I didn't say anything. Vanessa roasted me for it, and I'm like, wow, it wasn't it, even it that was bad. Wrong. First of all, I'm not French, or whatever she is. It's got to be French. So I said She's it with an English accent. She's yeah. French. All right. Whatever. Um, re-record it. <laughs> all right. So this book is described by the author as a pulse-pounding psychological thriller, um, it's about a serial killer hiding in plain sight, narrated by the women in his life, his 13-year-old daughter, his girlfriend, and the one victim he has spared. That was the description from the author. I'm going to give you guys a summary of, of our words about this book. Um, essentially, it's really about a well-loved small-town family man who has a secret life as um, a serial killer. He keeps one of his victims locked in a shed for five years, where he basically conditions her to be a beaten down and submissive captive. Uh, when his wife dies of cancer and he has to move, he moves her into the rental house with his teenage daughter and claims she is a tenant. 
The book is told from the perspective of his captive, a woman in town with a really big crush on him, and his daughter. So I'm not going to try and say her name again, because I'm going to let Rosie be the one. But So we all know clearly she's from France, so she's French, right? Um, we did a little bit of background study. She has a lot more information than some of our other authors that we've had to research before. Um, and she's... Like, she's not just an author for novels. She's, a, like, an active journalist, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, she studied political science and journalism in both Paris and London and then earned her master's degree in Columbia University, um, which, if I'm not mistaken, the character also went to Columbia for journalism in this story. Oh. So there's that. Um, she's written a lot of articles. So you can literally just Google her name and read half of her stuff. She does have a lot of it on her website. She's written things like... The Three Missing Men from Alcatraz, which is a pretty cool story. I've watched a story on that. Um, D.B. Cooper, which is, like, the only um, unsolved hijacking in America. He's that crazy guy that, like, stole 200K and jumped from the plane in a parachute, and no one's ever seen him since. Kind of cool dude. Uh, she covered Harry Weinstein's trial. She also did this really infamous interview with Liam Neeson. Um I'm going to let you guys Google it, but the title of it is Rape, Race, and How I Learned Revenge Doesn't Work. So Google it, read it. You're, you're going to love it. Um, it's actually very, she's, she's really, really excellent journalist, actually. Um, she also, when I was Googling her, I noticed that she just wrote a new article last month. Um, and this one's actually about the Long Island serial killer, Rex Humerman, which we've all talked about him recently. He's the guy that over the years has been killing all these girls anyway um she wrote this uh, article on him and it's called our fascination with serial killer next door so i just thought it was fitting since her new book is about that um she actually wrote at the end of it her closing part was if a killer is the man next door then the people he's killing are the friends next door the mothers next door the daughters next door i just thought that her way of Writing that kind of gave nod to some of the women inside this character mm. book that we're about to go over. Um, so I thought that was cool. <clears throat> I did not, excuse me, I did not know this, and I don't know where you found it, Roseanne, but clearly she loves Taylor Swift, which is kind of cute because I like Taylor. Um, um, real quick. What? I was just going to say, I don't think she loves Taylor, oh. but she just said when she was writing this book, she, she sometimes listens to music. Um, and in this particular book, writing this one, she listened to that song Betty on repeat. And so, of course, I had to go listen to it just to like see. And it's decent. It's kind of sounds like um, folksy. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, if like, real quick, if you're a Swifty, get a fucking life. Continue. Vanessa. <laughs> Was that me? <laughs> Whoever. Whoever's a fucking Swifty, get a life. Okay, go on, Vanessa. <laughs> I don't think I'm a Swifty for the record. I just like her music sometimes. Look, Samantha, if you dress up in tutus, no, I do like her too. I was on mute. Sorry, guys, I was on mute. If you I was go, how much I love her. No, if you <laughs> if you wear a tutu and drop that much money on a concert, then you need to get a life. I mean, I don't know that I would wear a tutu, but I, I mean, I, I didn't yeah, go to her concert. Um, but I'm watching all the videos, and I'm jealous. I did it honestly. It looks like she puts on a good show. I put my name in the hat hmm. for the new one. Well, she also um, her concert incited a earthquake like there was a two point something earthquake that happened from her fans dancing in the stadium 
That's awesome. That's how awesome she is, Rosanna. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, look. I'm just happy for like people in 2023, like how excited everyone is about Taylor Swift right now. Like I'm just happy for them. She's she's a good person. Like she's not bad. She's got great music. Yeah. It's uniting like yeah. a lot of people. People are getting out and living their best lives. Roseanne, this is your age showing. So I'm just a, I'm just a cynical bitch. This is your age yes. showing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People are living their yes. best lives right now with Taylor Swift concerts and like go for it, boo. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Wear your tutu boo boo. Put on your awesome. glitter and go for it. Okay, if somebody wants to buy me a ticket, I'll go and I'll report back. Call it like research. Wow. Okay. I will never. She's buy not you a worthy. Like that. Okay, moving the fuck on. And, and <laughs> I wasn't saying you, like someone rich who's listening, and like you know what? I need to prove you wrong and show you what she's about. That's what I'm saying. If Roseanne goes to that concert before I do, I swear to God, whoever gave her a ticket is going to be on my list. I mean, make it four. Like, let's go together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. Okay, anyway, back to our author. Um, one of the other things I learned about her when I was doing some research stuff is that she started, she liked this genre or got into it from reading her mom's paperback collection of Mary Higgins Clark, which is kind of cute because, like, we've all read mm-hmm. some of her stuff, right? So I just thought that was adorable. And um, shout out to Lucky's Girl Alive. That was another one that she really liked. Roseanne, I think you really liked that movie with Mila Kunis. So um, I thought that was cool that some of her stuff comes from that as well. So. Yes. The book and the movie was good. Mm -hmm. I'll allow her one downfall to be Taylor Swift. Whatever. Um, So this was her debut thriller here in the United States. But I guess she wrote a book in French. Um, I don't know the name because no one put it in the outline. But it's... (laughs) Let me just tell you guys the premise of this book so I can real quick roast it. It's about a... This is real. It's about a bodybuilder who is tasked with running her sister's bakery. It's a book about bodies and the ways in which we try to feel at home in them. Can we can we marinate on that for mean. just a second? <laughs> at me, at me, Clemence Michelon. Let's talk about why this is a book. I might have to just read a little bit and just be like, what the fuck is this? Or, wow, she's on to something. Okay, yeah, go read the French book. In fact, I want you to pause right now and Google. Go ahead and Google the title of her book, and you'll see why we didn't put it in there. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> there is a reason. And then, yeah, and then read it. Really, and read it. I'm yeah, Sammy, come on. Yeah, everyone, yeah, go ahead. Take a turn. Everybody who's listening, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and Google the French novel yes. written by Clemence Michelon about the bakery sisters, and let's see what, uh, let's see what you say. I still feel like we're butchering her name based on just the audible version of the way that they read Jesus her name. Jesus Christ. First of all, I didn't listen to the audible version. I listened to her say it on YouTube. Okay. Oh. I heard her say her own name on YouTube. That's cute. So maybe you guys should listen to that before you read it. for me. Sam. Are we saying it right? Clemence Michelon? Is that how she did it? it, it to me, it's, that's, how, is that not, that's how I said it. Okay. How did I say Roseanne, it wrong? Um, I don't know. Roseanne, go ahead and read that title for um, the book. Well, is this it? The time, last time I thought I was dead was a long time ago. The U.S. version? Is that the That's same thing? That's not the name of the book. No. La dernière fosque, Jacques Roux, Mayor, City, il y a a long time. That one? Is that it? That's it. Oh. Oh, is that it? That's it. Okay, I think I found the right page. Well, I think I did a fucking great yeah, job. Yeah, you did great, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, you yeah. did, actually. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. It's, 
called class. Uh, oh, culture. <laughs> it's called culture. It's culture. Diversity. And 42. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. Shall we dive into characters? Is Samantha ready? I am ready. Are y'all ready? We're ready, bitch. All right, so we're going to start with um, Aiden Thomas. So Aiden Thomas, he is the serial killer, also Rachel's, ca- Rachel's captor. Uh, young, fit, and well-groomed is how he's described in the book. He has a daughter named Cecilia and was married, but his wife um, recently died of cancer. He's former military, worked in the medical wing ward. Um, did, did I get that right? He worked in the medical field for military, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Um, he, he previously had studied to be a doctor, but dropped out to join the military. Um, I don't know if they explain why, but we can dig into that, why, why he decides to do that. Um, he does work as a lineman. Now that's his current job. Um, Aiden is perceived uh, to kind of uh, Vanessa's point about that quote she read. Aiden is perceived in the town as a great father, a great husband, a handyman to many people around the town, and really an all-around great guy. Um, meanwhile, he's raping and killing women, and he has hidden one in a shed that he rapes on the regular. Correct. And I did want to say that they, I don't think they ever did say why he dropped out of the military. I don't know if he got discharged. It's one of my unanswered things we'll dive mm-hmm. back into later, but I don't think they quite said. Exactly. I think there was some imply that something happened, but you're right. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't catch it either. Okay. Um, getting into Rachel, um, who um, you learn later is actually named Mae Mitchell. She is the girl in the shed. Um, and if you read the book or listen to the book, the way that they start each chapter, they describe the woman in the shed, the woman on the run, and they're describing Rachel in these, in these sections. Um, she's the one who's been held captive by Aiden. Um, at this time, she does not know his name for, for most of the time, but she's been held captive by him for the past five years in a shed in his backyard. Um, pretty much every night, he brings her supplies, food, water, etc., and then he rapes her. Um, Aiden named her Rachel when he took her captive and really ingrained in her that her name is Rachel, that she was nobody before he saved her, and that she's only somebody because of him. Um, Really just beating her down, as Stephanie described. Um, When Aiden's wife dies from cancer and he's forced to move out of the house, Rachel convinces Aiden to take her with him, um, and Aiden brings her under the guise that she's a friend who needed help getting back on her feet, so she's able to to live in the house with him. Um, Before she became Rachel... um, when she was May, she did experience a lot of traumatic events in her life, which I know we'll dig into. Um, this is actually what leads to her being abducted by Aiden. Um, she decides, and honestly, guys, I was like, hey, I, I would do this. Like, sometimes I need a moment, you know? Like, yeah. she experienced something in her life that made her want to have a moment to go off the grid. Um, she went and she rented this Airbnb or whatever from a lady, which she thought was secure. Um, and that's whatever actually Aiden finds her and we'll talk about his stalking things he does, but he finds her and that's what ends up um, getting her abducted is, is trying to enjoy some downtime. Poor thing. Um, let's see. Um, Cecilia Thomas, this is Aiden's daughter. Um, she is a teenager around the age of 13. Um, as we talked about her mother recently passed away from cancer and she had to move with her father to this new house. Um, when Aiden decides to bring Rachel with him, he does also decide, which I know we'll get into to let her, you know, go about the house sometimes, have dinner with them, have breakfast with them. Um, and in those times she begins to form a relationship with Cecilia. Um, and they really start to form a bond. And you see that later in the escape scheme, whenever Cecilia chooses, um, Rachel or may over Aiden. Um, 
The last thing I'll note, and we can talk about this more too, is that something that really stood out to me, um, and there's this one part in the book that if you did the audible, it is chapter 36 around minute 135 in the audiobook, um, where they talk about the love between the daughter and the father. Um, and I think that just further talks about how nobody knew how Aiden was, including the daughter, and we can speculate on that as well. Um, because what she did know was that my, you know, dad may have done things, but he loved me. And that's what really mattered to her in the end. Um, and I just really thought that was special in the book. I know he's a psycho, but I like that mm -hmm. part. Um, the last character that we'll talk about is Emily. Um, did we ever figure out, does she have a last name or is she just Emily? I All right. only she's, knew Emily. She's Emily. Never, All right. Yeah. No last name. <laughs> All right. So Emily, um, she owns a bar called Armandine, um, where she bartends most nights. Um, she has lived in the same town as Aiden her whole life. She actually tells from her perspective throughout the book, she's lived in the same town her whole life. Um, when she was a kid, um, she, that's actually when she met Aiden. She was working at the bar, um, and that's how she met Aiden when she was a kid. Um, both of her parents die within a few months span of each other, so she's forced to take on the bar herself. Um, and that's when she starts to meet Aiden more as she's an adult, as he's an adult. Um, Aiden frequents the bar on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that's where they engage in light banter, and they start to, to start having feelings for each other. All right. Well, I nice say those are the four Andy. main characters. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do we want to dig? Who do we want to dig into first? I don't even know where to start, like, because you ended with Emily, so, like, the Emily-Aiden dynamic, but that's, I feel like that's deeper in a little bit, so maybe we should start, you know, maybe back up with Rachel. Miss May Mitchell. Yeah. Can we talk about the traumatic event in air quotes Let's do that it. caused her to hide in the woods? <clears throat> Call me a shallow bitch or whatever, but I don't feel like the fact that you got roofied at a bar is, an, is such a traumatic event that you have to go into the woods and discover yourself. It's not like the bitch got raped. It's not like she wound up somewhere she wasn't supposed to be. She just got fucking roofied. Cry me a river. So this is what happened. You wanted to be dramatic. You go I'm out in the woods. Jesus. <laughs> Tell us how you feel. Let it out. Good God. Look, look, I roofied myself for fun, bitch, okay? You want to talk about me being old and haggard now? I did a shit for fun back in the day, okay? I wasn't traumatized. I had a great fucking time. I just felt like that was, when I got to that part in the book, I was like, this is her traumatic life event. Like, that's fucking lame. Can I? Devil's advocate? Yeah. So yeah. you, your experience is that you roofied yourself. You knew you were doing it and you anticipated right. the effects. But what, what happened okay. to her was being out on a night on the town, having a good time and starting to feel the effects. And honestly, I'm glad that she felt it soon enough and got herself. I mean, it was a risky move in a cab. I thought the cabbie was going to rape her. That's what I thought was going to happen. I thought he yeah. was going to be like, ooh, passed out girl yeah. in the back. Like, let me do her. Like, that's what I thought was going to yeah. happen. Um, it didn't. Um, she just got taken to a hospital. <laughs> but I think, I think what happened for her now, I will say I had a little bit, um, I felt a bit like a mean girl at the end of the book. Like, or there was a point where she says, he thought he was the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but like I had already experienced something worse. And I don't think that being roofied at a bar is worse than being held captive against your will for five years in a shed and raped every night. That, that's the only part where I kind of went, mm. but in terms of her needing to go feel safe in the country, get out of the city, she was feeling paranoid about who it, who it was. Like, was it someone she knew that had followed her to the bar and was like, that's what she was feeling paranoid about. She thought it was everybody she saw. So she got out of the city and went out to the country and stayed in this remote cabin and ended up getting 
snabbed by Aiden Thomas. So jokes on her, I guess. <laughs> so one of the things I thought, I know, one of the things I thought was that maybe there must have been, because I felt like, just like you, Stephanie, I felt like that part of the story was like, maybe not fully developed. Like maybe there was more to maybe. it and they had her cut it out for whatever reason, because it, it should have been more than just what it was like she shouldn't have just ended up in a like it doesn't make sense that that's what she used as what made her stronger than him after five years of daily raping so i just that part i didn't it felt like it was missing something like maybe they cut it out or anyway i thought maybe they left something off um well then i thought do you want to stay on this topic or i thought maybe something happened with the brother's suicide note that part i didn't fully understand I didn't know if he was straight up blaming her for his attempted suicides. Did you guys, I, can you guys shed light into that for me? He was. I would say he was. He was, um, yeah. I think what. But did they say why? I think the, the experience she was having as a sibling was that her brother was the oldest brother. And Roseanne, I think you can relate a little bit to the pressures put on an older sibling and how you sometimes can't really ever be good enough for your parents. You're always doing something wrong. Something's always like. And that's what her older brother was. He was the one who was in constant contention with the parents, and she was the golden child. She was the one getting good grades. She was the one who was, like, she was the good kid, and he was the bad kid. And I think that he had other stuff going on mentally, um, and I think when he, when he wrote the suicide note, I think he was just pointing to, I mean, I, I think he was blaming her, essentially, for feeling like he was the black sheep. It wasn't fair of him, but that's, that's essentially the, the vibe I got. That because she was the golden child in the family doing things right, um, that he kind of had some some feelings towards her. It was sad. That would suck to read in a suicide note from your sibling. Like, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think in her mind, and, and, you know, I guess looking back on it, maybe it wasn't horrible traumatic things, but in her mind, she just felt like bad things kept happening to right. her. So she was just like, you know, why not? Why wouldn't Aiden find me when I'm trying to find myself? You know, finally on a trip by myself. Like, why wouldn't this happen to me that I get held captive? Mm -hmm. um, what what I did appreciate, though, is that, you know, I don't know if I would have thought this way, but when she does get picked up by Aiden, she picks up pretty quickly that he's going to do something not good. Um, and this is actually what ends up saving her. She starts talking. Mm -hmm. She's like, all right, I'm going to make myself sound personable or make myself sound, you know, just, just try and distract him that I'm just some piece of meat or somebody who's going to kill. Um, and I don't know that I would have the balls to just have a normal conversation, which is what she did. Um, and that's really what saved her is that she ended up bringing up something that his daughter was also obsessed with, which was the different types of, um, uh, the names for Flock groups of like animals, like what the names were there for each group of animals. Exactly. Exactly. And she ends up saying, you know, that, did you know that a flock of crows is called a murder? Um, and that was one of the things that his daughter had said to him as well. So I think that's what, what saved her. Creepy, by um, the way, that like but I think thinking a, of his daughter a, saved a right. her life. But sure. Okay. Like, I'm going to rape a you right. every night now. <laughs> I know. But that's what it was. Exactly. That thing, though, is what triggered him to keep her. Um, so, you know, thinking on her toes, which is, you know, good for her. But um, but I think she just she was feel, probably feeling sorry for herself somewhat that she was like, everything bad happens to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of how she how she accepted what happened with her with Aiden. I liked her, um, she had like all of these like rules to staying alive. Mm -hmm. So I did like that part of, of her thought process of how she, I don't even, I didn't even write them all down because they were, were sporadic throughout the book. But um, I did like that she had these rules that she would follow in order to keep herself moving through the, the years. Um, 
I feel like she just used her experience and what it was like to manipulate men. That's that's what she used to stay alive right. in the cabin. She manipulated Aiden into keeping her alive, basically. She, like, you know, every time she found something that was just the slightest edge to give her, she would use it to her advantage to stay alive. And that's how she crafted rules for herself, the rules to staying alive inside the shed or outside the shed, whatever it was. Um, could we talk about the daily rapings, though? Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Call it fucked up. I wanted a little bit more detail. I wanted to know what good old Aiden Thomas was into. Why did he have to keep somebody locked in his shed to do the things he wants to do? What was he into that made it so that he had to keep someone captive? I, and I probably, it's a, you know, it would have been, I just find it interesting. There wasn't a lot of detail about what was happening at night. Mm-hmm. It was just the implication. There would be like his hands around my throat, yada, yada. But like, I wanted to know what Aiden Thomas was into that kept somebody locked up for five years. And there was one night he um, fucked the Emily girl and yep. then came back home and fucked Rachel too. Like insatiable hunger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I guess, that was but weird. the way they, well, the way they describe him with Rachel is very like missionary is what I think about. Like, it's very like methodical, always the same. Like he takes her clothes off. He lays her down. Like he, it sounds like he's always on top. Like mm-hmm. it sounds very methodical, which is what, that's a big thing about Aiden too that you pick up on throughout the book that he's mm-hmm. very methodical. He likes things a certain way. He likes his women a certain way. He apparently likes to have sex a certain way. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, it, it, you're right. They didn't give a lot of detail, maybe because it was so like boring and plain. Like maybe, well, maybe was it was monotonous. Thing, so. Maybe it was just this monotonous routine he had to go through, and she just had to. We didn't talk about the fact that I earlier, um, before I jump into earlier, Vanessa, were you on the same thread? Keep going on the same thread. I was just saying he. Wait, what, what, wait. Mm-mm. I was just saying the guy was a Marine, oh. so that's why he was very, and also you know the What's this, he, Vanessa? He her up a couple times, though. This <laughs> was, no, this is not what that was. This, this was me going in a straight line and hammering it down. And sorry if that sounded like something totally different. Actually, this may actually be what it's like. I'm not sure. It but. sounded like the military, the uh, missionary position. Yeah. Sounded like to me. Sounds like the Marine position. Got it. <laughs> I was going to say, they did, there There was one rape scene described in this book. However, it was not with Aiden Thomas. It was when she was younger. Her first boyfriend, her first, her losing her virginity experience was uh, a, an experience with a boyfriend that was not really with her consent. And it was one of those really gray situations that so many women find themselves in, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're young. And they did talk about that. And so that did inform, and she said later, in, as she went to the book, that that night did inform a lot of things in her life, you know, a lot of the sex she had moving forward. So it, she, I have no doubt that Rachel dug deep and went into full survival mode every night. And it's important to say this, it was every night with Aiden that he would come back to the cabin, clean her and rape her every single night for five years. I think the only times he didn't was when he was gone. And I think when he was gone is when he was being a serial killer with other women, if I'm not mistaken. Other than that, he was home, and every night he brought her dinner, gave her a bath, and raped her. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Dinner that he would cook. Yep. Can we just talk about that really fast? Like, okay, my husband cooks almost every night. So, like, I mean, is he, like, making little extra snacks for the slave in the back shed? I'm just curious. (laughs) Like, is that, isn't that weird? Why, why was the wife never alerted to the excess food that just... Plot (laughs) hole, we'll talk about it later. Well, 
No, well, they do talk about because she had cancer. So I mean, that was a big. So they they do talk about oh, she's she's fine. sick. She well, she's sick most. It comes back twice. So she's sick a lot of the marriage is what oh, it sounds like. Okay. So she's you know in the bedroom. She's at hospital. Okay. She's whatever. So it sounds like he's able to kind of do. And he's a lineman. So oh, I gotta go travel because the storm happened. Like he's got a you know excuses yeah. on excuses why he has to do what he does. Um, he does make a comment though about you know do you think it's easy to bring you food every night you know when she he thinks yeah. she's complaining about something. Um, so it obviously he knows he, he's got to sneak it, you know, he was still having to sneak it from Cecilia, but I think his, with his wife having cancer, it made it a little easier for him. There is a, there was, there was one period where he was gone for, I think, mm-hmm, Sorry. Mm-hmm. I think he was Sorry. gone for like what, three days and she had no food, no water and was chained to a wall, had to pee on the floor. Like, I mean, being in captivity would suck. But 99% of the time, she was fed and bathed every day, granted a bucket of rag, whatever. But like when he would go out of town, imagine not knowing when he's coming back, not knowing when your next meal is, not knowing when your next water is. She said at one point she was sucking her fingers to create saliva mm-hmm. and licking the walls looking for condensation. That's like licking a thirst. Licking the walls. I, Sam, can you imagine? Sam, that's you after like three hours of no water. I couldn't. You know, like imagine going three right. days. <laughs> three days. Yeah, I would be like a skeleton. <laughs> that's what she said she was. She was a skeleton on the floor waiting for him to come back. Yeah, that's how she described herself. So, Aiden Thomas. Let's dig into our Susie Homemaker serial killer next door. <laughs> One interesting interesting part of him. Yeah, because he, he was. was. It was interesting. Yeah. He, he was interesting, yeah. just dynamic guy. Um, yeah. And one thing that stuck out was how all his slaughters happened during an important life event. Mm-hmm. And we see that during the chapters where it says, you know, whatever number killing this is. And the girl will start off by saying she has cancer again or I'm have, she, he's having a baby or, you know, all those things like that. So it's interesting that all these important life events sparked something in him to go out and do some murder. Yeah, I guess I left that out when I was doing the description, the perspectives the book was told in. So yes, it's from the girl he kept captive, Rachel. It's from his daughter and the girl with a crush on him. But then you also get, every now and again, a chapter that's told from the perspective of one of the women that he's killed. And I did not write down how many he got to. I think Rachel was was number six. He was what, number nine? nine? It was nine. nine. Yeah, nine. So, and and like Roseanne said, it always correlated to a major event in his life. So the first one happened when he was in college. It was in his dorm room. It was a prostitute that he brought back to his dorm room. Which, by the way, it was only $15 for a blowjob. $15 for a blowjob. That was it. Yeah, I was like, I I will pay that. I will pay that to (laughs) offload that task. (laughs) (laughs) Roseanne, God damn it. I'll get you a retainer, baby. (laughs) Happy birthday. What you've gotten here is, you know. (laughs) Um, But what what I really, what was very interesting about that, at first I wanted to scream plot hole. Like, how did he not get caught for this? Because she said his DNA was all over me. Mine was all over him. Like, there was, you know, DNA everywhere, blood everywhere, um, which it never told us just like it never went into descriptions about how he was raping Rachel in the in the cabin in the room later never went into detail about how he was killing these women either so we don't even know what kind of serial killer he is we know he targeted women 
But that's it. That's all we know. We don't know if he was strangulation, if it was, you know, he did have a gun with the silencer, but I think that was how he got the women to leave with him, um, not how he killed them. I don't believe he ever shot them. I think he was a hands-on, judging by how he was in the rest of his life, he seems to me like a hands-on serial killer. Like he wanted to, or he wanted to, mm-hmm. and what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, sh- I'm choking the life choking. out of something and I'm stabbing <laughs> it. That's what, yeah, if I had to guess, and then he was stabbed. That's what I think he, he did. Um, but at first I was like, how could he not get caught when he, you know, there's blood everywhere, there's DNA everywhere. But what she said was, you know, I didn't expect this from him, you know, and if he gets away with this, he's going to think he can get away with anything. And what it was, was you had this person with no record before committing a murder in his room, got rid of it, but he was the dude next door. Like nobody thought anything of it. So he was of course never a suspect and that, that she was right. It gave him the fuel to be a serial killer for a long time, for many years span the course of his marriage, childbirth. His daughter was 13 before the end of his serial killer tendencies or his serial killer reign, I guess it was. Um, so he went a long time getting away with it, um, doing the boy next door. Mm-hmm. Like I think his that's daughter, what saved him. Yeah, because yeah, he was mm-hmm. the boy next door. Like, he wasn't suspected, not by anybody. No, and he would mm-hmm. even take, um, just to show how much of a serial killer he was, just the whole persona of it, he would even take um, items from each of his victims, too. It was a pair of sunglasses, a ri- I think a ring he took one time, um, and that was the symbolism of him getting, you know, getting engaged to his wife. Um, so he would take them, and then the worst part was he would bring them to Rachel and give them to Rachel in his shed, like mm-hmm. his, little, his little friend. Um, so it was just, Aiden was very... He was very complex because I, I'll be honest, this is weird to think about, but like when there's a lot going on in my head, like I just shut down. Like I can't do, I can't do much, but he was, he had a daughter, mm-hmm. he had a wife, he had a girl in the shed and he was going out murdering people. Like that's a lot going on in his life. Like, honestly, um, just, you know, I'm while, not giving him while props, being but... a member of, <laughs> yeah. yes, he was also a member of community. Like he was very yeah. involved in the, like people knew who he was. He was the guy who people yeah. would go to if they needed something or, you know, he was a staple, which is, I mean, he was a visible member. That's not somebody who just hides away in a hermit mode and can do all of this stuff privately. He was open about it. So I don't know how he got away with what he did and nobody knew. I was always curious who the women were, like where they were mm-hmm. from. Cause I don't think that like, how far did he go to travel? Was it when he was out, lineman working or whatever like you know he always used that saying i'm up high i can see everything so was he really just sitting up there waiting for a woman to walk by every day to see who he's gonna pick that week or whatever i mean i just kind of wish some of those details were in it um did you guys catch there was a part it was told from emily's perspective when she went out um emily is a girl in town who has a crush on him like sam said um, and from her perspective, she went out with her work colleagues one night and they were talking about a local girl who went missing and mm-hmm. she was an artist, um, a local girl in the mm-hmm. area. I have no doubt Aiden is the one who took her like that. That's, that was a plug yeah. for something Aiden had done, but she was someone local to answer your question, Vanessa, this was a local person who went missing. No one knows from where, but they did find a shoe on a hiking trail. So everyone assumed she went hiking and had an accident. No, Aiden took her. I don't know what he did with her body. Um, so, but but May, and you didn't get, I, I didn't catch the geography to see where, Rachel, I'm sorry, where Rachel went missing from in comparison to like where he lives. I didn't catch that. I don't know that he had a super wide range because he did have a wife and child. Um, and I don't know if like the local girl was just like a, 
that filled a need and he didn't have to go far to get her. Like it happened quickly. It was one of those things, but he did, we didn't, I don't know if we talked about this, but Aiden did stalk his victims, um, for a while at least. Right. Mm-hmm. In fact, Emily is someone he stalked. Right. And I, and I have it in here to discuss how long you guys think he was stalking her. I think he was stalking her the entire time they were having this Tuesday, Thursday night banter to eat with each other. I think Aiden was stalking her the whole time. I think she was a victim in his mind and he was setting the stage and just went on for a long time because he stole the coaster when they first, you know, in the beginning of the book, he took mm-hmm. the coaster from her place of work and that was the trinket he took. Um, the duffel bag Aiden carries around. He mentions, she mentions think, it a couple of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is always his like go bag, right? Like he always has it ready for spur of the moment, like, Grab rings. do something like kill that. kit right like that's his right? kill okay. kit that's what he is right? Apple bag, right so when he brings it into the bar is he returning from a kill or is he have it just in case he gets emily i always wondered that yeah. yeah i was always curious if he would visit her after one of his little escapades or if it was he was visiting her and then going out to find his mm. person if that was what was happening but that's because i thought he and emily were like longer period of time of knowing and being around each other but i don't know that that's actually accurate after reading it round two what do you mean i thought they had like a long relationship but i don't think that's the case well no uh, well she's known him emily knew him for a long time because they grew up in the same town so there was always i think there was always this girl crush from emily for aiden and Aiden has always been older than her. By I mean, right. they don't really say, but he's always been older than her. Um, so there was definitely this whole girl crush thing going yeah. on. Yeah, um, that she couldn't wait for the moment to be alone with him again. Well, so there was a mo- when they talk about her when she was a teenager. She, I think, she was around his daughter's age, so like thirteen, and he's already married at this point. So he's a, mm-hmm. at least ten years older than her, at least. And I find mm-hmm. it interesting that nobody in the town was ever shocked by the possible relationship happening there. Well, and how quickly it happened, Nobody. too, after after his right. wife died of cancer. Yeah. After his wife. Correct. Well, because no one... It wasn't really a known relationship, though. Only, like, a mm-hmm. few of her bar friends saw them together. But they didn't go out on dates and shit. It wasn't Truth. a known thing. Yeah, it was very hush-hush. I feel like with Emily, this crush she had on Aiden was like her dirty little secret. She was a, like, uh, she was a businesswoman. She was running her father's. Her father had passed away, and she was running his restaurant. Like she was a, you know, a very busy businesswoman. She had roommates that lived with her. You know, she had this whole life. And Aiden was like this little, and I say a dirty little secret because I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm pretty sure Emily still was in love with Aiden at the end of the story when it ended. Um, I don't think finding out that Aiden was a serial killer and that he kept a girl captive stopped Emily from loving him. This crush was like a big, like her dirty little, yeah, yeah. it was like a, it was a big part of everything, but it was her and the crush developed when she was younger and she kind of just like from a distance. Then when his wife died, we come into the story and I think it was like, she saw an opportunity there to kind of like, now his wife is dead. There really isn't anything stopping it from happening. He's coming in every Tuesday and Thursday but I think he was like lining her up as his next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he didn't really, when you think about the other victims though, he didn't, uh, well, they don't really imply, but he didn't spend that much time getting to know them though. It didn't seem like, like he was, he, it seemed to me more like he was forming a relationship with Emily, not to say he wasn't a stalker because that's just his MO, mm. but 
I feel like with her, and, and maybe he would have killed her, but I, I felt like there was actually a relationship between them two. Um, because at least the he way they describe when they do what? He was, he was, what, he, was he was. Is that confirmed? When he faked the car breaking down. Yeah, he, he wasn't a killer, for down, sure. He was going but he to. backed out. Yeah, but he backed out. Because someone for saw sure. Yeah. For I sure. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch yeah. that. Wow. Okay. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure he was going he was to kill her, like, no her. doubt. But it was because yeah, at that point sure. she knew what was going on, right? Like, she that's had come to the house, it is true. Yeah. So I don't know if he was going to originally, but... He wasn't, like, incapable of having a real relationship either, Sammy. So it wouldn't be too far off to think he was actually trying to have a relationship because he had a wife, he had a child. Like, he was capable of actually being in a normal relationship, although they didn't dive in in into the insides of his marriage. But And the only perspective of one of his victims we have is from Rachel, and she definitely did not say she had seen Aiden Thomas in the days leading up to her kidnapping. He had seen her, which we know because later she finds photographs of herself out and about in the days leading up to her kidnapping. Um, but she never, she wasn't like, I had seen him before. I had talked to him. You know, he was nice to me at the grocery store. Nothing like that. So maybe he doesn't form relationships. Maybe Emily was intended to be a bit more of a relationship. But as it developed and she showed her crazy side, which let's be honest, mm-hmm. Emily showed her crazy side. Okay. So Emily went yeah. to his house, found a spare key and let herself inside. Like, she showed her crazy a little bit and maybe at that point he was like okay homegirl's a liability you know on the list she goes but i will (laughs) say before she broke into his house he had taken the coaster from the bar he had done it before he had it was the first time we hear emily's perspective in the book which is early on is the night he took the coaster so that's why i'm like when did he plan it when did he know emily was an option in his list of potential victims Mm -hmm. i don't know unanswered question if you will yeah i find it weird though that he had an intimate relationship with her like he i mean they had a a, a fuck session in the the pantry or whatever it was mm-hmm. why would he do that if it, this was not like somebody he was because he would have just held her down and raped her later when he kidnaps her but in this moment he like chose to have like this intimate relationship moment with her which is weird mm-hmm. it's kind of against his mo because he didn't do that with any of the other women that we're aware of um, so it is a weird line that Samantha, it's a hard line there. I get why Samantha was not really sure. And maybe none of us know that's, maybe that's the point, but I mean, I don't think that he would have done that if it was just about the stalking and doing what he did to the other women. Cause the other women were not, he didn't have relationships like that with them in any way. Is it safe to assume if he started with prostitutes there was sex involved in the killings, like sex first. I was and wondering then he that too. After. Yeah, I wondered that too. If he raped maybe them Emily all. was just an evolved version. Yeah, maybe she was just an oh not not raped him, but maybe like he paid the first one. Like say she's you know she said fifteen bucks for a blowjob. Maybe he got his blowjob and then had the balls to do it, and that kind of became how he did it. He would have sex first, depending on if it was low risk. If it was a high risk person like a prostitute, he would pay them, have sex with them, and then kill them. Maybe with Emily, it had started to grow a little bit where the sex was consensual, but then he, he, I mean, he already knew he was gonna, like not consensual, but I mean, it was consensual, but it wasn't a paid, you know, this was a organic relationship. But I think it's safe to say, at least the first one was a prostitute, we know for sure. 
You don't really know the other girls. You they don't, don't say where they came from, but the first one you know was a was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. I felt like those were some of the maybe some of the details I wish I could have. Not that I wanted to read about the the sexual parts the whole time, but I would have liked to have. Like I felt like there were some plot holes in that sense. Like you don't really truly grasp the nature of some of the things that he does to these girls. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we sleep better at night because we don't know. Um, but so, Yeah. She definitely was not a graphic writer. But I think to a degree, no. maybe part of the perspective was like, you only have these perspectives. You'll get nothing more. You get nothing more Correct. than these perspectives. And they and you only get what they know. And they knew little, very little of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. You didn't get Aiden's perspective at all. I kind of like that I don't have his. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was, I was yeah. pissed that the last chapter really? of this book was not Aiden's perspective. Yeah. And we finally get a glimpse into his head, into the type of husband he was, um, you know, why he did the things he did. Um, and they didn't really say why he did, it, why he got kicked out of the military. I want to know if there was something that sparked that. Was he doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing? He got discharged. Like, they never said anything of that. Like, why did he get into the medical stuff? Like, why did that fascinate him? Like, I just want to know all these things. Mm-hmm. And we didn't get that at all. Yeah. I was a little bummed. Same. But I think in real world, in real world situations, you don't ever truly know why someone chooses to do the things that they do. And I think that's the point of this book. I mean, she's she's a, a true journalist. She understands that concept. And this book is just meant to kind of bring light to some other stuff about some of the victims versus the actual killer. We as people are always fascinated by the the person, the killer, the serial killer himself. And a lot of times we forget about the victims. And I think that she did a good job of only mentioning the people impacted by his actions not him at all like he's not even part of the equation you don't ever get fascinated with who he is as a person you care more about the people he touches and how their lives are impacted Mm -hmm. by it so i thought it was good because of that i was a little bit invested in his character in the point that when there was a hint that he was abusing his daughter i was disappointed in him for some reason, like I was too. Yes, I know he's keeping a girl captive. I know he's a serial killer, but I was disappointed at the whisper that he was abusing his daughter every night. And I was like, kind of like Jesus Christ, is this guy not like is nothing ever enough? Like he he literally has a woman chained to the radiator. Mm-hmm. Like go her, don't don't take your daughter. Um, and so whenever we find out that that was in fact not what Cecilia what was happening with her, that she was in fact going on her own midnight excursions to the basement, you know, to, to reflect on her mother who passed. Um, I was kind of relieved that he was not, ironically, that he was not a child molester, still a serial killer, still a rapist, but not a child molester. And I was like, what's, what's the saying right. that even criminals have morals or whatever right, it is? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, take Good job, like, Aiden. Like, you're like something else at that point. You're like, you know, you don't need to be on this planet anymore. Granted, I'm sure people who've been killed by a serial killer are like, hey, he doesn't either. But yeah, something about <laughs> the child molesters is just a step lower. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, Cecilia. Before we... Oh, um, yeah, Cecilia. So with I'll, Cecilia... I'll... Oh, Stephanie, you're fired. <laughs> so with, with Cecilia, God damn it, Stephanie. <laughs> one thing I was going to comment too, and I know you guys put this in the notes. Did she know that her dad was doing the things that he was doing? Um, 
Like, I, 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 I still so. don't have a good vibe for it. Like, I feel like she, mm-hmm. like I said, the way I she describes either. her dad is her dad was involved. He, he loved her. She had, she never had any doubt. Like she, she knew that she could die old or young, whatever, and know that her dad loved her. Um, so obviously he was very engaged and involved in her life, but like, how do you not know that's happening? And Stephanie mentioned, you know, one of the things that, um, Rachel talks about is she kept hearing footsteps in the hallway and thinking it was Aiden coming to, to rape her. Um, and then when he wouldn't show up, she would just, you know, she thought it then was Aiden going to book, go visit Cecilia. Um, but really she was going to look in the basement, um, which in the basement was boxes of pictures and memories and things like that. And among those boxes and the memories was pictures of victims that Aiden had stalked. Um, so did she come across those? Did she see them? Did she know what they were? Um, because they don't really talk about that that much at all. They don't go into what Cecilia found in the basement. Um, they don't talk about, you know, what else she sees in her dad. Um, but uh, but I just thought that was interesting. Like, I, I, I didn't get a sense that she knew what was going on. I definitely don't think that she knew what was happening. I think, I mean, we've all been in our parents' basement. It's a fucking atrocious nightmare. I'm not going to go dig through every fucking box and look inside and see what's happening in there. I doubt she, that's, she was going down there to touch her mother's thing. She's not going to rummage through all the multitudes of boxes in their basement, their dingy, dirty little basement. That's not what she was there for. And I, I actually was curious if she was the one that was like going and sitting um, in that little card table with the little folding chair. And I can just picture her sitting there and holding her mom's like little, little, um, a sweater and just sitting there and having her little moment by herself like I really I loved her as a character I thought she was so sweet and like I felt horrible for her that she of what she had to go through just I, I laughed I chuckled to myself when um when Rachel's talking about doing her little escape moment and they're having that party and she's talking about Cecilia being this the purple blob in a dark chair and I'm just like I'm like envisioning one of my kids in one of those disgusting gross like Haley has a purple furry blanket and everything so I'm like picturing her in the corner in the dark room with all the people around and like talking to nobody like I envisioned my own daughter in that moment so I felt like that's why I kind of liked this girl um she clearly had a very like deep relationship with her father because of what had happened with her mother. I mean, she lost her mother for several years. It's not like it was a sudden thing. She watched her disappear and that's a hard thing to do as a teenage girl. And so she bonded with her dad who clearly um, has like um, control issues. So she couldn't be her own person. She couldn't do her own thing, but she still loved him because he took care of her and she felt comfortable in that sense. It's the only person she had left. I don't think she would have ever suspected that her dad was hiding someone in their shed and raping her every night. I don't think that he would have, she would have ever, that would have ever crossed her mind that this guy that everybody in town loves, that her mother trusted her with, would be this person that did that. And if you do any research in true crime stuff or hear about family members of serial killers or people that do really horrible things, they are the first to say, I, I had no idea. I would have never guessed because you're not looking for that in somebody that you love. You're not trying to find those horrible things inside of them like that. Can I just say, first off, I really dislike the name Cecilia. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the second one, right, that we've read that has a Cecilia? Yeah. Nina and, and Cecilia, what is And she had red hair, by the way. I'm like, come on, with the red hair. Didn't oh, yeah. she have red hair? Yeah. We can't yeah. escape it. Yeah. And I just, no. I, and if your name is Cecilia, I'm sure you're fine. DC. I'm sure. But <laughs> I just like the name. I just like cannot 
be on board with it. So right away, I was like, God, her name is fucking Cecilia. She's going to annoy me. And there was parts of her that did. Can we talk about when she screamed, when she tried to take her out of the house? When she just screamed and screamed and screamed mm-hmm. and screamed. I feel like that was, a, I thought that was a sign between them. I thought, and she was like, you don't understand. It's not, like, you don't understand. And like, so I thought there was like more, I mean, slipping the pads under the door in terms of what I'm thinking of, did Cecilia know that Aiden was what he was? I don't think she was totally clueless. Yeah. I think 13 year old girls are a lot more perceptive than they're giving credit for. Um, because they're so used to everything being under a microscope on them. Like I feel like they have a microscope on everything around them as well. And they just don't, maybe don't say it as much, but I feel like they like, they're way more perspective than they're giving credit for. And let's be honest. Okay. We've all been 13 before. Say your mother died and your dad moves a girl into the house. Are you just cool with it? (laughs) Yeah. Are you just cool with new Rachel quiet tenant who locked herself in a room and never ever leaves the house? But she thinks she does. So she goes off to school and thinks that Rachel leaves. So she has no idea. I don't know. I just, I felt like her dad did a good job of keeping her sheltered and being the kind of the control person who monitored everything that happened in her life. So she didn't get to have a voice or thought of her own. And she was going through her own bullshit. She doesn't give a shit about Rachel enough to pay that much attention to her. I don't think so. Well, she did, though, because she actually talks about this whole segment about the women in her dad's life. Rachel is one of them. Emily is one of and them. Emily. And actually, That's she's it. like, Emily doesn't have space because Rachel's already here. So she, she's very aware of these people being in her dad's life more than what he's letting on, I think. Um, but again, she also, I don't think that she thinks her dad is what he is. I think that's what she's not. She doesn't know that part. She knows that there's something going on. She knows he has anger issues, um, because she kind of knows how to handle him when he's freaking out. Um, Mm -hmm. but she, I don't, I don't, I don't think she knows he was raping Rachel. Um, I think she picks it up though, because at the end she does go with Rachel when she Mm -hmm. has that moment to escape with her. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I think it's, it's one of those, like, it's, you know, it's my mom, it's my dad, like, you know, right. it, it, That's you, know what I you think find it excuses, you find, you know, reasons why it's the mm-hmm. whispers, you know, she didn't listen to the whispers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I think. Agreed. Yeah. Did you have any theories while reading? I, I didn't because I felt like this book didn't write that way. Like there was a, I think the whole time you were just waiting for her to leave. I don't think there was ever really a theory moment. Um, so I never really had like any of that. I, I felt like there were a lot of moments I think she could have left and she didn't in those moments, which I thought were <sighs> like, I want to say, okay, I understand why victims who are kidnapped when they're really young and they grow up into that life. So they're kind of like, it's kind of embedded into who they are to become this person who's taught not to speak, not to do whatever, but she was kind of grown. Like she's in a. And I understand she's getting raped every night or whatever, but there's moments where she could have clearly spoken up or said something or done anything to draw attention. And I felt like she just never, even though you're reading and listening to her mind and what she's going through, there's so many times that she could have just done the tiniest of things that would have alerted somebody to something and she never took the chance. And I, 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 I struggled with that in this story, reading it. So for me... That was the only theory part for me was I was always like, well, what the, 
always thought she was going to speak up or somebody was going to be there to help her or come to her rescue in some way, shape, or form, and it just never, ever panned out that way in any way. Um, I did think for a minute maybe the judge was involved after their little interaction. Um, so I had a little split moment where I did think that maybe Aiden was part of a bigger Me too. A bigger a thing that maybe the judge was yeah, mm. but like the town was part of something. That's why everyone loved him so much is maybe mm-hmm. there was some sort of little hidden something happening. Um, obviously, that didn't happen either. So, yeah. Do we want um, to get into all the times that she could have left, but she didn't? I think we should. I think for perspective's sake, too, before we do that, if I may do a little perspective devil's advocate here. I think I think Stockholm syndrome is the word to describe Rachel and what she was going through, right? And the whole the whole dynamic around Stockholm syndrome is that you um you just lose the part of yourself that makes decisions for yourself and like suddenly your abuser is now your confidant, your friend, that's who you lean your on. Savior. You know? And and she and I loved the moment she had where she would be like, Don't let him in your brain. Don't let him in your brain. He's trying to get in your brain. You know, where he would say things like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, she would write that from her perspective. Like, don't let him in. That's not going in your brain. But he did get in her brain enough. Um, in order for her to survive, she had to play his game. And to play his game, she had to be the beaten down mistress. She just did. Um, and I just think some perspective that it, it wouldn't have been as easy. You know, yeah, oh yeah, she's being raped every day. Okay. Raped every day, every single day, eating once a day, taking a bath once a day, using a bucket to go to the bathroom, and your bath is a rag and a bucket. That's your whole life for five years. The only person you speak to is Aiden Thomas. You have no other interaction. You never leave a cabin. You are chained to a wall, and that is your life for five years. It might be a little difficult to run out of the house the first chance you get. Mm-hmm. I like that it took her a couple of tries to get up the courage and the to, and to remember parts of her life. She started to pull in, you know, how did my, my ex-boyfriend, how did he pick locks? Like pulling in little bits of her memory started to come back. I think she knew she was biding her time those five years in the cabin waiting for the opportunity to escape. She didn't get it in the cabin. There was no opportunity. She was chained to a wall. The opportunity came when she was moving in with him as a tenant. And I think she knew it will come. My chance is going to get here. I'll know when it's my time to run. I just have to Mm -hmm. wait and bide my time and I'll know. And she did. And look, it worked out. The first time she ran, she went to a police station and it was over. That was it. There wasn't botched attempts. There wasn't like he caught her and punished her over and over again. Like she only ever truly escaped one time and it panned out. So could she have done it earlier? Maybe, but... I think, you know, just perspective of, of it, you know, what exactly she was going through every day. I mean, yeah. most people in her life probably thought she was dead and she knew that. And she had to carry that. Like, there was nothing stopping him from shooting her. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He could have done it any time he wanted. Killed her in a moment and nobody would have been able to stop it. And she had to constantly balance keeping her humanity and keeping herself inside of her. And, like, this side that had to survive with a serial killer who could, at a moment's notice, end her life any given time. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was her, her dialogue too, in her mind. Like, you know, did I just miss my attempt to leave? Because there was moments, like you said, where she Mm -hmm. didn't leave when she could have. And she thought about it later, like, damn, was that my moment? But she also was a survivor. Like she didn't want to just like get out. She wanted to live. 
Um, and I think that that's why she took mm -hmm. her time really and choosing when was the right time to leave. Um, you know, but mm -hmm. very methodical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I will say in my sick mind, one theory I did have, and you are going to be like, you're fucked up. Um, I, I didn't want them to, but I did think at one moment that Rachel and Aiden were going to like fall in love. Like for, and I know that's a very fucked too. up storyline. Could you even do that? But like I did, I was like, are they about to like, is she going to like figure him out? Because like, she was the only one who really knew him and he obviously mm -hmm. enjoyed time with her, but it wasn't mm -hmm. sexual for him. I don't think it was, but it wasn't, I don't know what it was. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there was a moment where I was like, are they going to like get together? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. I actually kind of thought that it was going to go that route for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then before we get off of theories, I thought for a second too, maybe Cecilia was the bad person. Like, and Aiden was covering yes. for her. Like yeah. I did, I had this thought. I was like, maybe Aiden's covering for her and she's like the bad person. <laughs> but no, he was What would she have been doing? Killing women? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, okay. I had a, a thought. Yeah. <laughs> I had zero theories. Not one. My, my theory around, We're not around Cecilia, right? What's new? Roseanne <laughs> does not speculate. She does not think of tomorrow. She just reads it. Well, like <laughs> Vanessa said, I felt like the book didn't write that way. Like I figured it was all going to yeah. be, we were going to figure everything out. So I didn't, I didn't bother. And also I was reading in fucking four days. I was craving like I was prepping for the SAT. So no time to think. <laughs> I don't think that's how you're supposed to prep for the SATs. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> What, what'd you score with him when you, when, you, when you took the SATs? What'd you score? Um, what's the lowest? Don't tell it. Don't, no, don't tell it. No, I think I was a nine, 900. That's pretty low. Oh, That's, that might it. be the lowest. I took it twice. <laughs> I, I scored higher the second time. I maybe made it to 1100. But what's the lowest? Seven or six? Oh, I thought it was I didn't, I didn't even take them. I did not take them. The lowest is not nine. You know what? I'm going to dig these bitches up and prove my worth. Okay. I feel like okay. I'm getting scrutinized. Okay. Also, I was on uh, Fettermine when I took my first SAT. So. Okay. <laughs> on what? <laughs> Fettermine. Back when it was allowed, okay to take it, at, I bought it at Kroger because it was, you were allowed to buy it at the grocery store. Oh, like that a, like a stuff diet pill that, or like, something? The diet pill. Yeah. 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 I Anyways. think, I remember mom giving it to me. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah, she had some. Yeah. Yeah. Mom, mom used to give them out. That was, yeah. Oh, mom, yeah, where's I my saying, drugs? Yeah. I didn't give me Fetterbean. <laughs> I, I was, was so impressed dog that life. morning because. <laughs> <laughs> well, that morning I took the Fetterbean before I went to the SATs. I, the whole car, it was a whole group of us and we, they all stopped at McDonald's and got food. And I was like. I don't even fucking want McDonald's. This smells like shit. Like I was like, oh, wow, this stuff mm. really works. So I was not mm -hmm. only not um, satiated food wise, I was like cracked out on Fettermine, my SAT. So that was the vibe <laughs> I was in. You were just like, can this be over? <laughs> During the crucial test. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So now I think we can, with a little bit of perspective, get into the different failed attempts. How many times she had the opportunity to leave. Thrice we'll now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is true, though. Gosh. Twice more off. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the first one, so Aiden left the handcuffs undone. And she closed them and told him later, hey, by the way, you forgot to handcuff me. He's like, oh, damn, really? 
And I guess that was just her way of trying to get him to trust her. Which, okay, fine. I actually think he says, I know, is what he says. Like, he knew. So he later, later he admits that it okay. was, he, he knew he, un, he undid him. He was testing how submissive and how beat down she was. Like, could he leave her unhandcuffed and she would stay home? And she was, you know, she did. She did it. It was a test. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it or was he just talking shit to just say some Ooh. stuff to her? I don't know that it, I think he was just an idiot and he was just too proud to say that he fucked up because hello, again, he's a Marine. So he's not going to just like accept that he fucked up. That's just not a thing that they do. Ew, I could see Greg doing that. Yeah, exactly. I don't Mm -hmm. think that he intentionally did it. I think he was just saying that to make, to fuck with her more. Um, Have you checked your shed lately, Stephanie? I know. No, honestly, honestly, guys, I'm going to be real. If there was a shed on this property and I never stepped foot in it, that just that world doesn't yeah. exist where I don't look in buildings on my property, and you know, and I'm know. damn sure gonna know if he's out there fucking someone. Like I'll smell it on him. Are you kidding me? Like, cancer or no dick. cancer, I'm a no. I was yeah. I was yeah. about to say, pretend you're okay. Pretend you're dying of no. cancer, and your in her defense, are obliterated. Yeah, can chemotherapy 100% destroys your sense of taste, your sense of smell, your everything. Everything the chemo makes everything metallic. You smell and taste nothing. So in the woman's defense, there's no way she would have known that he was doing that. If he came home, if he changed before he went into a room, if she had been recently on treatment, like she would have not known. There's no way. And I doubt she had a sexual drive because chemotherapy also totally destroys that. So he was probably like, fuck, she's on it again. I got to go destroy a woman because I have no other way of doing it. Okay, damn. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, how about the next time when Aiden ran out of the house to meet Emily because she was doing a she was going to just stop by mm-hmm. and Aiden left his phone, car keys. And at this point, she was already starting to form like a semi escape plan, but she still didn't leave because she didn't want to leave old Cecilia. Granted, this was when she thought dad was still pulling the mm-hmm. late night stop in, but still. Mm-hmm. She chose not to save herself. And that was a little infuriating to me. Mm-hmm. Why, that one really annoyed me. Why do you guys think Cecilia didn't rat her out? Yeah, why did she know, cover for him? Too. I, I, I think she I saw know. how angry her dad was. Maybe when he came in, like she saw yeah. the rage and she was like, whoa, whoa. Like this is, maybe that was one of the, because she didn't do that again. The second time she got a chance to escape with, with Rachel, she went. So I think that that's, that was probably when she realized something was up, maybe too. Um, because there was some comment that Rachel made about, um, sorry, Ness, but there was one comment Rachel made about the way that the, um, Cecilia handled the way he was acting. Like she'd handled it before. Like she's been through this Mm -hmm. with him before. Um, but sorry, Ness, what were you saying? Uh, no, I was just going to say with, um, Cecilia didn't just go with Rachel the second time. Like Rachel did it with a gun. Mm Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like she went willingly with her. Now, she did continue to run with her after she finally said, look, I need you to know I'm running for a reason. This isn't because of whatever. Yes, I understand. I took you by gun. But so Cecilia didn't really know. Like, I mean, she's a a teenage girl. She's not sure what the fuck she's doing. But there's a lady with a gun who's telling her to run who she thought she bonded with. So now she's confused. But she knows there's something weird going on with her dad now. And she does it. And she knows that they're running to a police station. So why the fuck wouldn't you go to the police station? I would go, too, at that moment. Because that's the safest place I'm going to go, regardless of whether you have a gun or not. Like, I know. Um, 
there was something happening there. She was afraid of her dad, obviously, because he does have rage issues. She saw it earlier, so if I'm having to run too, do I run back to my dad who I know has serious psycho rage moments in that? I don't know. Um, I don't think she was running with Rachel because she liked Rachel or anything. I think she just was confused and didn't know what she was doing. I really thought Cecilia was not as smart as I think that we are giving her credit for. I don't. I think she was slightly naive, going through grief, overwhelmed by everything that was happening to her. She just got held up by gunpoint by this woman. She's running to a police station. I just don't think she knows what else she's supposed to do. I mean, well, that makes me think about one more theory that I had. I had lots of theories, guys. Sorry. Um, oh, I also thought... Mm-hmm. Well, I did. I like so that. I, I yeah, sure. Thought, yeah. I thought that um, whenever she did leave Cecilia behind, I thought, because Rachel goes to this moment where she's like, fuck it, I hate Cecilia. Like, she's she's dead yeah. to me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so she's going to she's gonna kill everybody. Like, I thought that Rachel was going to go on, like, a, like, G.I. Jane spree and, like, take everybody out. Like, I thought that was going to happen, too. Um, but then, obviously, she changes her mind. But she does very... When Cecilia wrongs her and, and screams for her dad she's like at that moment she's like you're dead to me like i hate you mm-hmm. in fact she uses those mm-hmm. words i hate i hate her mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um how about this infuriating missed escape when aiden took rachel out for a drive into town they're you know just sitting on, on the curb and like the judge walks up and is having a conversation and he's like oh i'm sorry who are you and like Literally, she could have said, I'm being held captive. Like, look at me. I look like shit. I'm, he's got me chained up somewhere. And she didn't say anything. Like, this one also was infuriating for me. I, that one, that one was hard for me too, but that's where I thought maybe the judge was in on it. And maybe Mm -hmm. I can see why she might have thought that because of how casual it was how much this guy was like oh hi i know you like we're good friends let's have a little chitty chat moment i could see how she felt like am i if i even spoke right now would it even save me or is this guy also maybe potentially a bad guy i could see why she was like somebody look at me see me see me that has to be probably the most infuriating thing as a missing person who is a kidnapped for years that nobody recognizes you. You've been gone that long. You have been forgotten for that because you've been gone that long. That's got to be in her head. I would have just been screaming, like screaming at the top of my lungs. Somebody see me. I that part was hard for me because I would have wanted to scream very loudly. And I I get also why she couldn't as a survival thing. So that was a hard one. Those parts to me were not as infuriating as later when he was like, I need you to watch my kid for a week while I'm gone. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she put it right out the fucking door. Hard. Like day yeah. one, I'm out of here. Yeah. Don't walk yeah. the dog. I've got it. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, that was hard for me. I, I think the scene with the judge was the point in the story where Rachel, AKA may was realizing how deeply embedded he was in the community and what she was up against. I think that's when she realized, like, I think the reason she didn't speak up was because she was thinking to herself, here is this man. He feels so confident in his position in this community that he has brought me out here as a show. uh, To me, this was a show of look what I, look what I have set up for us. This is what I have done. What are you going to do about it? You know, for whatever reason he wanted to keep Rachel around and he needed her to be, in this new part of their lives where she was living in his house, 
he needed another level of control over her. And I think it was, let me show you how close I am in this community. No one's going to believe you. Like if you show up and say, you know, they're not going to believe this. Like, let me just show you how good of a guy I am. So that's what I thought the whole situation was. And that's why she didn't speak up because she was realizing like, okay, I have to, and, and, and later, you know, in the moments where she was pissing you off and Essa being loose in the house. Um, well, I guess let's get into it before I, I'll, I'll remember this. Let's get into it. The next, the next escape opportunity. Um, well, he asked her, you know, Hey, I got to work. Cecilia's home from school. Could you just like keep an eye on her? And he was like, you know, I have cameras and he just like pulled up an app on his phone and she just saw like, you know, some blinking lights, you know, she hasn't seen technology in five years. It was probably like a demo. I feel like he probably lied about the cameras just to like scare and keep her indoors. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but yeah, she, she just walked around, just waltzed around and just lived life for a week. That, 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 that's the part that bothered me. Camera or not, that motherfucker is gone. His truck yeah. is not there. You <laughs> yeah. know he's not there. What are you doing? No, and he's like, I'm a lineman. I see everything. Like, okay, uh, motherfucker. Oh, you yeah, can't like, get down yeah. and fast enough over here. Like, yeah, that makes no sense. <laughs> look up. Look around yeah. you. Do you see him on a telephone pole? No, mm -hmm. that he doesn't see you. Move on. Yeah. Like, it, like literally. Yes. Yeah, no. That, that was not. That was hard for me. That was a hard. And I understand the whole Stockholm Syndrome that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I, in every horrible kidnapping story, they will tell you that was their time to go. Camera or not, they knew it when that person was gone. They made their escape. Like those girls that were in that house where the neighbor happened to come, the male person or whatever it was, and they took their one, they had been in that house for 10 years. They had children with this man mm -hmm, for a yeah. long time. And they took their chance when he was not there. That was the one time that he was not there. And she let a week go by before the she was like. The one time he left that door unlocked and she was like, I she know. didn't even think fucking twice. She's like, No, she here. didn't. She even welcomed random strangers into the house. Like, that stuff was hard for me to swallow as I don't care Stockholm or not. Like, you know, camera or not, you, you could have gone. She even took the time to go downstairs and explore his basement while he was gone with cameras that she knew cameras were there and she still did it. I think going down in the basement, the time she took to do that was intentional. It was because she wanted to have proof. She wanted, she knew how deeply he was embedded in the community because she took the pictures. She did. She took them when she ran. She took all the Polaroids, stuffed them in her pants, pants when the night she left. She wanted proof because of how deeply embedded he was in the community. And that's why she didn't run the second she could. I think she knew in order to really like drive home and prove how deep this went, she knew about all the trinkets. She knew he was still out doing it. I think that was her way of making sure he was found out. But, but she had trinkets already. She already had other people's stuff. He was giving to her as gifts. So she already I mean, had belongings of these other girls. And she knew she did before she ever found these Polaroids. So in this week period that she could have made her escape, she instead was like, let me go find some proof first. Even though I, I mean, know he's watching me on camera. I mean, you're talking about paperback novels that would have came from a prostitute as her proof that her he was a serial killer. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but they'd have to have, like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think... Not just that. The sunglasses. He the sunglasses back. she wore into his house. He took them back. I don't know. I just... She could have taken anything from inside of his home and ran with it and said, this is where I was. I have proof. I have this. Go ask his daughter, for Christ's sake. Maybe. 
I've been living in that house for however many time. Go ask Emily. I've already welcomed her into my house before. I she knows I'm there. Ask her so, if she thinks I was the cousin. When and when Emily came in, Rachel was torn between asking for help and thinking, was Emily a test? Was Emily another test that he was mm-hmm. putting in? He was going to punish her because you know, really, we didn't get details from from Clemmy, Clement, Clemence, Clemmy, Clemmy. We didn't get details from Clemmy about <laughs> like the it. stuff he was into. So we don't know how aggressive he was whenever she pissed him off. You know, I won't be happy. That's what he would say. We don't know what he did when he wasn't happy. We didn't get like, you know, in the house maybe when we got to find out how deep and twisted he was. We didn't find out about Aiden. We don't know how dark it got. So you don't know what kind of stuff he had over her to make her afraid of messing up. We just don't know. But still, that still wasn't enough to stop her from going into the basement into his personal belongings, but it stopped her enough to run for her life. That's what I'm saying. So knowing that he was going to come and probably do something horrible to her if she was doing something she wasn't supposed to, so instead of running for her life to save her life, instead she explored his basement and his personal belongings. She didn't that didn't make his, sense to me. She wasn't exploring personal belongings. She knew he was keeping this. He was keeping evidence somewhere. That's why she went to the basement. It was intentional. She was looking for it intentionally. Exploring his personal belongings. She was looking for proof that he was a serial killer and that he was doing what he was doing. Exploring his personal belongings. So she still chose to explore <laughs> his personal belongings. God damn. It doesn't matter. She was <laughs> doing tomato. that. <laughs> tomato, I, tomato. <laughs> I know why she was, I understand why she was doing it, but she did do that. So she risked exploring his personal belongings, knowing he would probably kill her for doing it. That was a bigger risk than running for her life. So I think there was a degree of guilt she was feeling. Um, that she and she even talks about this guilt she felt for not escaping sooner for not getting justice for the other people she knew where he was killing i think that that's probably what motivated her wanting to find more evidence and have proof that he had killed them too to get justice for the other women who were involved in this because it wasn't just her that's my take maybe i still reminded me of the susans the black eyed susans book by julia heberlin i think um there was a moment where she said she was hearing the other women talking and like in the black eyed Susans, um, the Susans would talk to the survivor and stuff. And like the other women who had passed, it reminded me of that book. But, um, I think she just was motivated by their misfortune is what she called it. They were the unlucky ones, the ones he had killed. She considered herself lucky because she was still alive, even though she was enduring five years of him. Rippings. Mm-hmm. I loved his last one. Um, this is off topic for five seconds, but I loved his last killing girl, like number nine. And she was all like, he didn't expect me to fight back, but I mm-hmm. sure as hell did. And I fought like hell. And I props to that one because I would 100%, I feel like all of us would have gone down mm-hmm. fighting to the bitter end. Like that guy would walk away with black eyes, scratches, his balls would be probably ripped off. Like there's so many things that would have happened to him by the time we were done. And so I just felt like she was like one of our kindred spirits. Like, mm-hmm. good job going down fighting. Nice job. There was the one too who mentioned having children. Um, and he was talking about how his daughter was starting to walk. And that was one of the pivotal moments that made him go out and find another victim because his daughter was aging. She didn't need him as much. And like anything emotional that stirred emotions in him, he like tamped it down by killing somebody. Um, but this particular girl 
she was telling him, you know, she was talking about her three babies and stuff. And that just, that was sad to think about, you know, because we, we don't know who she was. We don't know if she was still, you know, if they were just still sex workers at this point. We have no idea. But um, it just was sad to me that she was thinking about her kids before meeting her demise mm-hmm. by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any inklings as to why Cecilia's grandparents did not like Aiden? I think they probably saw how yeah. controlling he was. I, I think they saw it through him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I was an unanswered thing for me that, you know, and why did they kick him out of the house so quickly? Um, and that I, too. you know, Cecilia yeah. had made a comment about, they don't like my dad much. I don't know why. Um, so I just didn't know if that was something we didn't, I didn't pick up on or if y'all knew. So I felt like, Pausing. Hi, heaven. Hi, heaven. <laughs> um, I felt like that part was was another hard thing because it, we are all parents, right? So, if our child leaves in any way, shape, or form, whether they die from whatever extraneous circumstances, whatever the case is, would we kick out even if we hate him or her, the other person? with our grandchild in that house would we force them out into the god knows where or would we want them to be kept close inside something that we are know that that child is being well taken care of would we do that i wouldn't i wouldn't no no unless i knew he was weird something was wrong or fucked up yeah. yeah But would we have then just left our grandchild out into the open, unknown of where they are, where they're living, how they're being cared for, or would we want them to be in something that we can at least know that they're take they're okay inside of? That part was hard. So I felt like maybe her grandparents were actually not good people just for that very reason, regardless of whether or not they had a problem with Aiden. I just felt like they were just not good people because they willingly were like, fuck you, get out of the house, we're going to sell it, go figure it out with our grandchild and just figure it out. But at the end, Cecilia went to go live with her grandparents and the cop made a point of telling Rachel, or she was May at this point repeatedly, like she has a good family. She's in good hands. So, I mean, I think that's what they would say anyway. Uh, they always have to say that. Yeah. And um, that's just her next of kin or her only kin left. So okay. it's either that I, or the state. I think Aiden's wife was her parents. It was their only child. She was the only, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't have siblings. Um, I think they probably had a vibe that something was off with Aiden. I doubt they thought he was a serial killer. You know, mm-hmm. you don't ever, your brain does not go there when you think something's off with, with somebody. Um, I think they thought his vibe was off. I don't think he was that, like that level of bad. And they even, there was a point when she was getting, um, I think they knew the cancer was terminal and they knew she was going to pass and the parents had offered to raise Cecilia so he didn't have to be a single father. Um, and I think at a certain point, they just had to kind of wipe their hands of the situation because for, for whatever reason, and I, I mean, they weren't wrong. Aiden was a bad person. There was something wrong with him. So their gut was right that something was off with him. Should they have left their grandchild with him? I mean, I don't, again, I don't think they thought he was a serial killer. I thought they just didn't vibe with the guy. Um, and he was obviously a devoted father to Cecilia. He was good with her. I think that was probably, I don't know. Do we think that he was, he was faking being a good dad? I think he truly was a good dad with Cecilia. 
right? I think it was too. So yeah. I think it was one of those things where like, you know, somebody's like, there's, there's people in your life where you know they're not good people and they're not good parents. That's one side. And then there's, mm-hmm. we don't get along and we're not good people, but they're being a good parent. You can only do so much. But do you kick then, do you kick out your grandchild out of the home that they've known their whole life? That part's weird to me. That part is where I'm wondering, like, are they even really good people then in that sense? Because even if they didn't vibe with him, would they kick him and the daughter out out of the only place that they've ever known right after their daughter died and do that to their grandchild? I, I don't mean, think you're so. talking about a financial, a, a massive financial burden on the grandparents at that point to maintain, to keep that house. Rent? No, I mean, it, it's a house with a lot of acreage. I mean, that's a big financial hold right there, a property on Maybe. acreage. That's a big deal. Maybe. For this piece of shit? Nah, you know? He can take care of his kid, you know? He's got a job. It's not for him, it's for the grandchild. Well, what was weird to me is that, okay, he's in this town with his community and all these people. He obviously ends up getting a house from the judge for on the low, low rent. Was, was the grandparents a part of the town too? Like, because that would have been weird, right? That they snatched the house if they're a part of the town too, because the town threw a whole, like they did, we didn't talk about the state, they did the fundraiser. Ooh, that was weird. Fun, fun, fundraiser, the marathon See? fundraiser for him to raise money because they knew that he was struggling. So like, it, it's, it is weird. Honestly, I, it's weird. It's, it's a weird. pothole unless she wants to, unless Kimmy, what do we call her? Kimmy wants to uh, tell Clemmy. us what was happening. Clemmy. 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 Sorry. Unless Clemmy wants to tell us what happened, but it is a pothole. <laughs> honestly, I feel like, um, because why did they take the house? There's no real reason. Honestly, there is no good reason in my mind why they snatched it so quickly. Um, Me neither. And then we're never heard from again until the very end. It was just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like they were beating down the door, you know, to try mm-hmm. to see her or talk to her. Mm-hmm. Mom died and they dipped out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it Fuck even them. impacted her. She even made it, a, made it a point, like Cecilia even made it a point to comment about how much that bothered her, that she was snatched from this home that she loved. And she never had a fond word to say about her grandparents about that either, other than she left what she, the only place she's ever known in her life right after her mother died. Now... We don't have the grandparents' perspective. All we know is that Aiden claims they were kicked out. Maybe he popped off and had some big, like, you know, big blow up. And he was like, fuck y'all, I don't need your house. And, like, that was it. We don't know. It happened very abruptly. Mm -hmm. Everything was very intense. Of course, the passing of his wife, emotions are high. We don't know. We don't know. Mm -hmm. He could have been. They could have been calling him to talk to. He kept the daughter's phone from her when she was home. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were calling and he was not letting her talk. We don't know. We don't have enough information. But we know he was a major control freak. See? And that's why I say I think think Cecilia was much more naive than we give her credit for. I think that she truly did have Stockholm Syndrome. And she saw something in her father that she had to be this, like, very submissive, pick me up when you have, I can never go on a ride, I can never do these things. So when What's-Her-Face tried to take her, her reaction, this screaming reaction, is a true reaction of someone who does have Stockholm Syndrome from that situation. I don't think that What's-Her-Face truly had Stockholm. I think that she didn't have enough time to have that. Mm. But I could be wrong. I'm not a therapist, but... Um, like real quick theory. about how long as well. So she was in the shed for five years. Prior to that, she had a long life of color television and interactions with people. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, whenever she goes into this house with Aiden, it's like mysterious to see a television or like it's too much interaction. Like I'm like, I know five years is a long time, but is it that long where like now you forget about television? I feel like that was a plot hole. To I me. mean, it could be. 
I, I mean, I could be. I, we've never been. We've never been victims, like, like student, in that uh, yeah. sense. So like not I seen a TV for five years. We've never. After a year, I think I would be like, "Holy fuck!" There's color TV still. Like I don't, <laughs> you know. She's been in a dark shed, no lights. Like there's a lot of things it's happening been 84 there. Eighty-four years, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So I do think there is a shed of that that you've got to give her some credit for. That is a lot of in-your-face Jeopardy, like it's nothing. Watching Jeopardy while you're eating dinner after you've been in a shithole for that long. That's a hard thing to watch and experience and be a part of without it being a, like a truly impactful thing for her. And it, it had to have been. So I don't want to discredit those things on her end. That is a hard thing to go through. But I just, for me, the snooping in the fucking basement was a a hard thing for me to stand behind. When you could have Instead been escaping. Of running. Yes, that was yes. hard for me. I'm sorry. That was hard. All the other stuff I get, that was not one I got. I mean, I guess really, because like, if it comes down to it, if she comes out of the ba- if she comes out of the house without having gone in the basement and gathered more evidence, and she escapes and goes to someone and says, "My name is May Mitchell. I've been missing for five years. I've been held captive by Aiden Thomas." Someone's going to take her seriously. That's enough information. That's it. Regardless in today's of society yeah. of yeah. Me Too movement, that's all the yep. fuck she needed to get out of that house. Sorry, yep. but it is. And he's already introduced her to so many other people in town saying, it's my cousin. And she goes, I don't fucking know you. I am not that person. Mm-hmm. There's already stuff. He already talked to a judge for crying out loud. A very prominent member of the community. Right. There's enough at least to keep you from, for no reason ever, would he be able to take you back into the house at that point. He could never yes. be like, and she needs to stay with me because she's my cousin and she's mentally ill. No, it wouldn't mm-hmm. happen. He'd have to prove it, <laughs> yada, yada. So, yeah, you're right. Vanessa. Right. Fucker. You know what? Whole story's trash. Just lost a whole star in my book. Fuck this story. Clemmy, goddamn. I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying. No, fuck it. The whole thing's trash. We shouldn't even be doing this whole episode about it, for God's sake. Well, and I had a quick question. Okay, she was studying the map. And she's like, I just got to get to this center. It, It was described as a center, right? It wasn't described as a police station. No, so what it described as... Yeah, so on the map, she said there was something very lightly, lightly drawn. It was a universal symbol for a building, is what it was. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the symbol was, but it was symbolizing there was a police station there at Town Center. That's what oh. it was. Oh, okay. The center is the I'm dumb. Town Center. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have no idea oh. until she runs in the station, but that's when she saw the map. She's looking at the map. She sees one icon, and she knows it's a police station, and she knows... It's by the fountain, and he had taken her to the fountain already, so that's how she mapped it out in her brain to get there after. I can tell you right now, I know the symbol. I mean, everybody knows the symbol. It's the little, you can can make it out, the little symbol of the badge. You know that's a police station. Oh, a badge. On a map. That part, Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, what is she running to? I thought maybe he had bodies buried. I didn't understand it was like a police station. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the wishing wall. Oh, so I didn't didn't see that. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that. I immediately thought she was talking about the oh, I didn't catch on to that. No, my, my brain did that too, Rose. I thought that she was going to go unearth all of the bodies of women who had been yeah. missing in that wishing well. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was figuring. I guess I did have a theory. Huh. Okay. There we go. Oh, Rose. Um, I guess I do have a theory. Let's capture this moment. Cheers. Okay. Cheers, Rosie. <laughs> Roseanne had a theory. <laughs> and it was fucking good. Um, um, all right. Well, I want to switch gears because okay. I have something um, just like funny. <laughs> There was this blurb she talked about in the restaurant biz, and it was just this funny little sentence I'm going to read. 
Um, and it was, Emily said it. She's like, when it's all over, we go out. She's talking about the dinner shift. It doesn't make sense, but it must be done, even if we've all had enough of one another for the evening. Because if Saturday nights are a battlefield, then we are soldiers, and we must be able to exist together. And the way to do that is to drink. Anyone besides Vanessa worked at a restaurant? She had a stint at Applebee's. Anyone else experienced this bond? trauma bonding at the restaurants no. it's a fucking true thing it's a true trauma bond moment you are in the trenches you're sweaty you're hot the day was fucking horrid if you, you look down like at your pants chicken. they're covered in all kinds of things you stink <laughs> it's hor- like and and when you are having an intense couple hour shift like that i mean it can be six hour shift of just horror right even in fucking applebee's and this place sounds way cooler than that i mean you it's it's it, you have to go out. You have to have an unwind moment. We usually actually did it right there at the bar in Applebee's. After everyone finished, we all sat there and you'd have one drink or two drinks or you hang out so with people. this is a true <laughs> statement like you felt that. Yes. I yes. edit out of this later. Um, yeah. yes, and honey. here comes Greg to wreck the day. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you throwing at? What do you mean? <laughs> It's water. <laughs> Replenish woman. He's trying to see if she's geared up for Friday night. It is Friday night, guys. Oh, yeah, what is Friday is, night? This is cutting Tiffany into Tawanda. Hi, Tawanda Bo. night. Hi, Bo. Hey, Benny. Hey, Benny. Hey. Hey. Okay. Oh, God. Mommy's working, okay? I love you. So cute. Well, we Imagine are finishing up, so um, we let's move into our reviews. Does anyone else have anything else they want to discuss before we move on to reviews? Hold, hold on. The Aiden Emily dynamic. If there's anything more from that, I wanted to pull in. She's obsessed with him. I have a note about an age gap, possible daddy issues. How many times do you think she finger banged herself to Aiden Thomas when growing up? Oh, a lot it's because this. she talks. No. She talks about her shower time, and I'm like, you know, you go, girl. Yeah, she does talk about her shower time. Yeah, yeah. she Look, she masturbated. She has to- a great moment in the shower. Good for to her. Aiden Thomas, to him. She masturbates to the thought of his shirt lifting and showing his stomach hairs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, like, so she's yeah. been finger banging to Aiden for a long time. Yeah. A so long this time. Is like, so it's and like, imagine searched. yourself, it's someone in this neighborhood, you've always had a crush on this dude, and as you age, blah, 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 you get the opportunity, you finally bang him, and then you find out he's a fucking serial killer rapist. Yeah. yeah. The fuck? Like, that would be like... Damn it! You gotta be kidding me! Like, and and, and her defense, she's like, like I feel like nobody will ever compare to what she felt about Aiden, and she's gonna be mm-hmm. fucked for life. She is. That's Unfortunately, it, I think she is. So sad. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted to add. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also felt like she had some serious, like, I mean, she's a bit of a psycho stalker herself. So it was almost like yep. they were kind of fitted for each other. Um, just want to throw that out there. She's a creep it's- who broke into his house. It's too bad she didn't. It's too bad that um, Rachel didn't confide in her what was going on, and Rachel and Emily make the conscious decision to not help her and to continue yeah. seeing Aiden. It's too bad, Clemmy, you didn't go that route because that would have been that would have made sense, like to have a, a, a ally in the community as your beard, um, someone who knows it's happening and chooses to ignore it. I feel like, though, that's because we're fucked up that we think that way. And I think mm-hmm. Clemmy was trying to make a point to highlight the women or the victims of people like serial killers like this guy, like Ted Bundy, like, you know, Rex, whatever the fuck his name is, the island killer guy that Humor just man. recently got captured. Humorman, yeah. I think that the point of her book was to talk about the other women and not being fucked up, just women who are just destroyed by men like this or by creep people 
creatures like this who just have no other reason other than just because they can. Now go on, call them men. It is what it is. There's a common theme. I, I said men multiple times, yeah. and then I said creatures. Oh, I was going to add, like, white man. <laughs> no, yeah, let's, go, let's go one step fucking further. Let's go one step further. They're white men. The Harvey Weinsteins of the world, all these creeps, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you want to throw yeah. in, like, Republican? <laughs> all right. No, you've gone too far. Too far, Roseanne. God, edit. Okay, let's edit. reviews. Let's review. Um, who wants to go first? Vanessa, you seem heated. Why don't you go? Okay. Um, you guys are going to bash me for this. Um, I actually, this is my first time reading her stuff. I do like that she made it a point to mention the women and we never heard from the guy because it is reality. You never sometimes know why the fuck someone chooses to do the, some of the horrible things they do. You just have to live with it. So I like that I never had to hear from him or his perspective. I did love hearing from all the different people in his life, from the woman who didn't know, from his daughter who's just been in it her whole life and just was just living, and from the woman who's been stuck, and from all the women he was killing in the moment of the killing. I liked those little tidbits. So I did like that part of her writing. Um, this was not the kind of book that you're like on the edge of your seat and you're like suspensed about it. It's more of like a slow burn the whole way through. It just kind of ends. There's not like some big climatic moment. Um, I gave it a three for that reason alone. Um, it, it does have its moments where this could have been like, if she really dug into it and got nasty and dirty into the thoughts, it could have been a really standout book. I think she intentionally didn't do that for whatever reason. Um, and I support that reason for what I don't think she wants. I think she likes to sleep at night. So props to Clemmy for that. I like sleeping too. Um, so yeah, I gave it a I gave it a solid three. But you're still dinged a point <laughs> for not being graphic enough. <laughs> because I because we are that way. But I understand why she chose not to. But I gave it a three. So if you want to read a thriller book without having to have the fucked up moments in your yeah. head, this is a good book to go through because it still gives you all of those things without having to read the gory stuff. You just envision on your own. Okay. Sorry. Sam. Um, I actually, I gave it a three, two. Um, I don't have as long of a description, I guess, as Vanessa does, but I, uh, I, I just, it was, it's, it's not a book I'm going to read again. There was a lot of things that I wanted to know more of it, So it was very kind of frustrating to me to not get that closure that I want from books sometimes. Um, but it was a good, it was a good read. Um, towards the end when she got into the guest house, I wasn't sure where the book was going. So I, I liked that she still kept momentum going. It was still a thriller. It was still exciting. Um, but I gave it a three. I mean, I probably wouldn't read it again. I mean, and you know, enjoy it. It's a good time read on the beach, maybe something like that. Um, cause I did the same thing, Rosie. I binge listened to it like very quickly and it was easy to listen to. Um, I forgot parts, but still got the point of the book. Um, so it was well written, but just not, not my fave. I'll give it a three though. Okay. Stephanie. Yep. Um, right there with you guys. I did a 3.5 though. Um, because I did, because I wanted to give her tiny bit of grace this was her first thriller novel and i did enjoy her writing the fact that she conquered all these different perspectives including i don't even know what you would call the perspective of rachel that first person third person like 
it's her, but it's with you language instead of me and I. Like it was, it was a lot to track. So she got a half a point just for that alone in that writing style. But in terms of the book itself, I I would have gone with a three. So I did a three point five because it 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 was it wasn't that it was forgettable. Um, but yeah, I won't read it again. Um, it's not the one that would come to my mind when someone's like, give me a good book to read. Like, oh, you should read The Quiet Tenant. No, but if you ask me if it's good, I'm gonna tell you it's 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 good, go ahead and read it. You know, I'm not gonna tell you now. And that's how I would rate this book, 3.5. Okay. Um, I will finish it up. I feel like my review actually mirrors Vanessa's almost to the T, which is kind of weird. Um, I do like how it wasn't your typical serial killer book and that it did focus not on the killings but more about the lives of the people outside of them because like you said we really don't get that much um but yeah the failed escapes attempts annoyed me the traumatic event really just grinded my gears and I, I don't know why but it did um the Aiden's point of view I was expecting that I didn't get it so I was kind of let down about that um and you know like you said Vanessa the this book really could have been a lot more than it was. And like you said, Steffi, I'll give her some grace. It's her first U.S. book. We're a little different around here, possibly even more fucked up than maybe any other country. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she didn't even mm-hmm. dig that way. But um, Cheers, I no, gave it three stars. <laughs> yeah, but I gave it three stars as well. Um, that's about it for me. So as we've said before, a three book in our record is a good book that's a book mm-hmm. that we would say go ahead and have a give yeah, it a whirl it. it's something we would re- go ahead and read it it's yeah. it's good I so mean, it was entertaining we were all entertained yeah. were we yeah. not it was entertained yeah. enough to where we just talked for a while so yeah, yeah i'd say I, we had enough to talk yeah i stayed up lady you know when i finished the book although i know we didn't talk about mm-hmm. the ending much but just for a brief fucking second the book ended in a hug it did it did oh yeah (laughs) yeah is that a french thing i is it because they kiss on all cheeks all the time like i don't is that what it is (laughs) the book the book ended with emily coming to see rachel at well may now at her mother's house and walking in and asking for a hug and rachel may stepping into the moment and embracing her and it's like yeah no Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nah, good yeah. For you. <laughs> yeah so I, I stayed up until like 1 a.m. I think reading this book because it was like I was so close to being done. I just powered through. You know how it is. And the ending was a bit of a so. Mm. Yeah. Well, I will yeah. say one thing we didn't talk about was why I think they had that dynamic at the end was that there was a moment where Rachel stalls Aiden long enough for, or sorry, where mm. Emily stalls Emily Aiden does. just yeah. long enough for Rachel to get closer to the police station. So I think they share this moment where Emily's like, holy shit, there's something really bad going on. Um, and she does stall him just enough for her to get to the, the station. So they share this moment. Um, so I guess I kind of get why they circled back, but it was an interesting ending. I'll, I'll agree with that. It was a weird way to end the book. Yeah. And I don't even know that Rachel knew she did that. I mean, well, Rachel. Well, Rachel did, knew but, it, but she also. Well, yeah. No, no, not Rachel. Yeah, you're. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I was thinking. Rachel was hauling ass. Do you think she, she had no idea that she Emily was like the wind, wind in her hair? Wind in hair. Yeah, she had wind in her hair. She was fucking hauling ass. Yeah. No. Yeah. She didn't. Wind know. in hair. No. <laughs> yeah. She was pulling a Samantha with how fast you are. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't run marathons what? though, guys. That's those are intense. I've never done a marathon. They are. Yeah. yeah. I would like to, but I've never I heard one. that 
You shit in bags if you're doing like the long ones that you like shut shit the on the run. Fuck literally, you do. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you eat. I know you like, eat. I'm more sorry. Running. running is not that important, and you that shit is not okay in a bag. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sick. Or you wear like a diaper. Um, and have you guys like, not seen those videos of the women like running and they shit their pants and they just keep going? They do. I'm sorry. They have to. You That's can't true stop. Story. And no, and no, no mm-hmm. you can stop. So I'm not agreeing with them shitting their pants. You can, you can always stop. But that's no. a true story. They do. They're like, no, you can't stop. Um, but if you stop, if you, you stop, do lose. You yeah, lose. You're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess what's more important than a PR? Getting the shit out of my ass that's just exploded as I'm running and I'm sweaty and getting rashed Down up. your leg, by the way. <laughs> like trickling down your leg. True story. Google it. When your husband's yeah. waiting at the finish line and you're like, honey, look at me, congratulate. And he's like, bitch, I you made shit it. your pants while <laughs> running. Run. You're For running. to yeah. fucking feces in your tennis shoes and your sw- socks. Like, get away. You're running for fun. Let's talk for about fun. that. It's yeah. for fun. This is not like you're running for your life and so you're mm-hmm. shitting because you're running for your life. I can get behind that. You're hauling ass because you were going to die. But you're just running for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shit so yourself. When Heaven did cross country, she there was girls that, and I think they just get nervous, and it's only two miles, so think about it. They, they're running it in about 15 minutes. Um, there was girls who would pee their pants while they're running those two miles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's not that much is, they can I, do I either because you can't, yeah, you can't stop. Um, yeah. And she, and you can smell it, That's and she's normal. like just cruising by him. She's like, oh, let me get on by. But yeah. That's disgusting. You could duck off in the woods for... You can't stop. And to Vanessa's point, technically, when you're doing a race, when you stop, you're out. Um, So if you want to finish the race. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure with kids, it's different. Like, if you got to do things, you got to do things. But yeah, there was a girl who peed in her pants. Yeah. Or think of the hundred milers. Those are days, like even longer. There's some people that do like whole cross country situation. Those are days long. You are just destroying your everything for days. Reason 483. Why running is bad for you. Mm-hmm. It is bad on your bones and joints. It is true. And even Rachel talks about that, like how she knows that running mm-hmm. long distance yeah. like that is really bad for your body. So that's why we don't run, guys. That's why. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's solely it. Yeah. That's it for me. Yeah, that's it for me. Cheers yeah. to fat and happiness. Cheers yeah. to fat and happy. Yes. Team. I'm out of wine. Fuck. Let's, let's end this shit. I'm okay. drinking the last. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> We're ready for my one-off? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Okay. You're going to want to hear this one, but okay. 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 (laughs) All right. So my one-off this month, I actually decided to stick with the serial killer theme um, and picked a new-to-me author, so kind of did a double whammy this time. Um, I picked All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. this one I really, really liked. So uh, it is about a small town in Virginia. And there is a black sheriff. His name is Titus Crown. He's the very first black sheriff of this town. It's called Charon, which is just a cute name, I guess. Um, and the small town gets skyrocketed and just torn to pieces when a serial killer comes to town. Um, it starts off with the F- he's an FBI agent, or was, before he gets elected. He's only been in office for a year, and the town already is in shambles over the fact that there's a black sheriff. So it's already a little bit on edge. And then here comes a serial killer to the mix. It gets really shaken to its core when it starts off with a school shooting. And the school, the perpetrator is actually um, a black member of society. He is around his mid thirties and he dabbles in some drugs, but he's not been harmful to anybody in town. So it's really disturbing that he is 
the shooter in this scene and the person he targets happens to be the most beloved white school teacher this guy who's been a teacher about 30 years he's been the teacher for half the town everybody absolutely loves him and so it just causes a big mix and it starts to cause a big racial war in town between this um, black perpetrator and this white member of society and they're all confused as to why it's been able to happen the guy gets shot and killed by a white police officer on the school grounds and the black sheriff didn't stop enough of it so it starts to create this problem but what people don't realize is during the investigation to find out why he targeted the school teacher it is uncovered um, that there's a connection between the victims and between a local church and the disappearances of several young black children who've been reported missing and later found their bodies um, and they've all been tortured in some way shape or form through symbolic writings all kinds of things of that nature they start to realize that some of these other members of the community prominent white members of the community start to get murdered so then they realize there was a serial killer in town outside of what they thought before. Um, it's a really good book. Really good book. My favorite quote is by the actual sheriff himself. He said that evil is rarely complicated. It's just fucking bold. Ooh. I, I know. Yeah, I like I that. Um, I only listened to the audible version of this story. And I would highly recommend anybody to listen to the audible of this. I absolutely love the narrator. I think it's probably why I gave it such high high ratings. His name is Adam Lazar White. I want to give him a shout out because he's the reason I love this book so much, I think. Um, he's got a really deep southern drawl voice. He's clearly a black male, so he represents the character very, very well. He does each of the performances very, very well. Um, I gave it five stars. Highly recommend. Excellent book. If you like serial killer th thrillers in any way, um, it gets a little graphic sometimes, so if you can handle that, this is a good one too. I felt a little bit of pretty girl vibes out of it a little mm. bit in some moments. There's some good stuff in there. The narration is phenomenal. Um, if you like any of that, and if you like anything that has to do with some of the horrors of American Southern history in any way, shape, or form, this book is a good one. So, highly recommend. All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Um, hey guys, wild thought. Uh, why wasn't this our podcast book? Because it sounds like really fucking good, right? I agree. Mm -hmm. For the record, I recommended it. I don't recall that. Uh, yep, I sure did. Go check the group chat. If you would maybe step away from your <clears throat> boarding, boring historical fiction, we could perhaps find another one out of your genres to cover. This, this was one. This anyway. one sounds good. It's really good. It just came out. It's new. It's from July. So for anybody oh. that's looking, this is he's written a bunch of other stuff. So maybe we pick one of his other books. He's got several, several books. Okay. Okay. Um, um, speaking of Southern American <laughs> history, can we just segue <laughs> real quick into the Roseanne? Call it out for me. What's it called? Let's hear it. The Alabama Riverboat Brawl. That's all you have to Google. Three Squat. simple words to Google to get some uh, immense pleasure and some great entertainment. The Crocs. Um, I'm gonna. I'm got. I gotta find a picture of the Crocs and we'll post it in the story for. And if you know, you know. But um, 
you should all probably know what this is at this point. And if you don't, just Google it and you'll be like, whoa. There's a lot of different angles too, so you'll get a lot of a lot of different. Oh, damn! I didn't see that part. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's where he hit her with yeah. the chair. Got it. I missed that in the last yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um. Okay. Oldie but goodie. I had another book picked out, but I didn't love it, and I only picked it going through some shit that I thought was vaguely on the same page. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want some fries. I want fries, too. Okay, that was so cute, though. Yeah, Bo, we love you. <laughs> okay, bye, Bo. Now kick rocks, buddy. <laughs> Almost done. Greg is gearing up Stephanie so hard for Friday night fun. He really like, is. That's what's happening. He really he's like, is. He's like, bitch is acting drunk. I'm giving her fries. Yeah. Cars, it's not I'm time for that yet. Hold on, though. <laughs> Guys, they're cold. Her tits are out in her ribbed crop top. <laughs> they're cold? Yeah, they're cold you fries. Look at like, back. Why are these Call them back. <laughs> Oh, this is trash. Yeah. No. no, but he's he's for real gearing up hard for Friday night. Friday night fun oh, I stuff. That. I think mm. I want to. You better get fun. I'm going to go get some Mexican <laughs> some tequila. Um, where was I going? Oh, Sorry, oldie but goodie. Yeah, oldie but goodie. God damn it, Bo, and your fries. Um, okay, Stephanie, you referenced earlier Black Eyed Susans by Julia Haberlin. So I'm going to go with that one as our oldie but goodie. Um, it came out in 2015. Um, real quick, it's Black Eyed Susan refers to the nickname given to the murder victims because of the yellow carpet of wildflowers that flourished above their shared grave. Mm -hmm. um, and it follows along the line of a 16-year-old girl who was found alive in a Texas field, barely alive amid a scattering of bones with only a fragment of a memory as to how she got there. Um, this book, I gave five stars. I think we mm -hmm. all actually gave it very high rating when we all read mm -hmm. it and talked yep. about it. It was really good. She has really great writing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not gonna say too much else about it because I wasn't prepared to go there, but it's a good one and you will definitely enjoy it. We all guarantee it. Um, and the Audible too, for those who want to do audiobooks, the Audible version of it was really well. I, I, I like the narrator um, on Audible. When uh, when did you bitches all read this book together? A long time ago. Where have you Before been? Before we became public with our book club. <sighs> I feel like there's lots of books that are like... It's an old book. <laughs> that I don't know Pins about. It's oldie, but a good <laughs> Yeah, when, you know, there was a period where, where we, were just, we were reading a lot of books. We would kind of just toss them between each other. It wasn't really so much In we your read. Secret we didn't read together. No, 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 Sammy. No, Sammy. No. It was not, always with you. This was not a book we read together. <laughs> this was a book that got passed like, hey, did you guys read this one? That's how we kind of functioned yeah. before the book club took its form. It was like a, yeah. um, <laughs> it was yes. like a, hey, this one was She's good. drowning her yeah. sorrows. And exactly. Yeah, I did. She's well, mixing with I did more. No, I did. I did side piece with Vanessa. What? Remember? I used to be like, Vanessa, what book are you reading? So like I was doing that on the mm, side. Yeah. I didn't know you guys were all reading books on the you side all without were. me though. You fucking whore. No. What a slut. We weren't. Everybody has been side-piecing my shit for <laughs> years now. You're not the only one. Is that why it's so ragged and ran through? Yes. Nope. It's like That's throwing hot dogs down a tunnel, man. <laughs> oh, it's hot dogs down a hallway. A, a hot dog down a hallway. Yes, yeah. down a hallway. <laughs> no toasty bun to catch it. Mm -mm. <laughs> that was good. Jesus, it's not that bad. But. <laughs> okay. But I'm it is Waller now. 
<laughs> Jesus. Are you sluts ready to Google? Yes. Hey. Okay. Aiden Thomas. Can I get a hell yeah for Deacon Claiborne? Ooh. If, <gasps> yeah. Charles Eston. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. There's even a point in the book where Rachel says, how dare you have blue eyes? How dare yep. you ruin that for everybody? Yep. Yeah. That's a good um, one, Rosie. Yeah. Yeah, the handyman guy, just the guy with the lines around guy his next eyes. Door. Handsome, older. Yep. Yeah. He's perfect. I thought about him the entire book. You know who I had in my head? Remember the movie that came out, See, I think it was called, where the guy was blind and the kids broke into his house? Does that ring any bells for anybody? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop. Hold on. Someone Keep right now is listening. Name. No, no, no. Someone right now is listening and they're going like, yeah, we get it. Okay, it's not called C. That's got um, Jason Momoa in it. He's something else. It's not called C. Oh, Hold yeah. on. Blind guy. <laughs> um, kids break in. And he uses a turkey baster to impregnate. <laughs> he uses a turkey baster to impregnate one of them. Hang on. What the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah. This is, oh, don't breathe. This is not a porn. This is a movie. Don't breathe. Hold on. I'm getting warmer. Hold on. Okay. His name is Stephen Lang. He's who I had in my brain. There we go. Stephen Lang. He's too old. He's too old. He's fucking geriatric, you dumb Why would you ever have him as the person? And (laughs) why didn't you just say (laughs) Avatar? Emily, Emily's not going to fuck this guy. Look at him. He's a walking skeleton. This is why Stephanie's not allowed to do this part of the segment. No. Rosanna, carry on. I cannot wait to roast her for this choice. I cannot. Rosanna, carry on. Um, wait, no, wait. Before we carry on, the guy impregnates the people who break in with a turkey baster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yes. and why? I, I, I don't, you know, so here's the thing. I haven't watched the movie, but I, ha- I had a clip pop up on my phone. I was scrolling on Facebook, and it, and it was like he had her strapped up, and pulled semen out of a jar with the turkey baster and was like preparing to impregnate her. I swear to God. Yeah. Someone who's watched the movie can probably weigh in and tell you why that was happening. Because he's a blind guy. Kids break in as a joke. And next thing you know, I don't know. Somehow there's a, there's a literal turkey baster going at her. He rips her pants the whole nine yards. The blind man. Yes. I'm just envisioning the blind man finding a way to pull semen out of a turkey baster and find her <laughs> vagina and shove it. Well, he's actually killing. He's like he's like chasing these kids to the house and like killing him. He's like very used to his house. I'm gonna laugh if this is a totally different movie that I am describing right now in this moment no, versus what I'll I'm say thinking. The way that this guy, is, in fact, the way this guy like responded to this movie means that it was exactly what you say. He says, "Please do not watch this movie okay. for your own good insanity." Gotcha. Yeah. And then, oh. and then it goes into it goes into a whole like spiel about God and like not seeing evil. So apparently this is the movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I did not know right. that was like part of it. So I was uh yeah. Anyways. Moving on. Okay. So wow. he's a no. Got it. <clears throat> Next. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Let me huh, regather myself from that. Um, okay. <laughs> Rachel. Um, I know I already chose her in another one, but for her, I chose Jenna Ortega. Um, again, because I thought she no. would do really well. Why? Why? No. Why? Wait, for who? Who is she? Rachel. Maybe Cecilia. No. 
I have someone else for Cecilia, and I'm going to fucking well, kill that one. Well, Rachel was Well, they older. talk about Rachel having, yeah, she was older. She, she was like in her 30s, years. right? Yeah, she yeah. was like in her 30s. Um, yeah. But she also had the dark hair, the winged eyeliner, the red lips, and that just reminded me of her. When she first got captured, but not throughout the entire rest of the story. Well, I mean, Great. like, obviously the one character would, like, change and develop, but I still don't think Jenna Ortega is a good pick. You fucking suck. What's next? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was trash. I mean, she's absolutely adorable, and I think she's a cute I, person. But I'd rape her every this, night. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't edit. Well, that needs to be edited. That, that has to be out. That it has doesn't. to be out. Hey, that she, she is out. 20. She is 20 years old. Oh, she's legal. Yeah. She's, no, she's older than that. No, she's older than that. She's 20. Uh, according to Google Wikipedia, it. she's 20. Oops. I botched that one, didn't I? I thought she was older than that. Oh, she is young as fuck. Oh, well. Okay. Shitty. Uh, Wait, she's pause. Sweet. No, it could work because the girl's supposed to be in college. No. When she gets first taken. I wasn't imagining Rachel being old at all. I imagined her when she first gets taken. She's in Columbia. She's in her her writing stuff, and that's when the shit happens on campus, and she gets freaked out by her professors. So it could be realistic, except she has to be five years older. So maybe, maybe Roseanne, I'll say maybe. Okay, well, whatever. I can't be awesome all the time. I'll give you a maybe. For Emily, I chose Lily Collins. Mm Mm-hmm. Vanessa. What has she been in? What has she been okay. in? Okay. Oh, is she the daughter? Shit. The princess it, shit. No, she's not the daughter. She's Emily. No. No. Is she the daughter on the blind side? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And she's okay. in, like, princess shit that I don't watch, but. Oh, well, why did you pick her then? Uh, yeah, she's going to be in um, Polly Pocket movie. Because her, f- her wow. face captivated me as someone who I imagined. Emily looking like and yeah I don't know mm-hmm. no She's I mean no you're right very like wholesome like and that's kind of Emily was She's perceived yeah, I know. yeah okay yeah. and yeah okay mm-hmm. okay yeah okay for Cecilia I'm going to play you guys a song and see if you can guess who I chose oh my god let me get ready? my Shazam ready ready Willow Oh, oops, how do I get it off my AirPod? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's ringing a bell. Yes. The red-haired girl from Stranger Things? Yay! You win, Sammy. Let me Thank get you. How'd you get that? Running down there, boy. So in my defense, also we, me and Heaven just started Stranger Things again today, so it's just like fresh in my mind. Wow. <laughs> okay. Nice. No, that's so, a good choice for her. No, her name is good pick. Yeah. Her name Sam, is Sadie, Sadie name Sink. Yeah. Her name's Sadie Sink. Okay. I like the name Sadie. Wait. Um, we, I, I, I didn't watch Stranger Things, so who is this girl? What? What? Okay. Who invited right. her to the group chat? What is her Why name? Why is she even here? Oh Sadie is she Sink. Here? Jesus. So dumb. She doesn't even know because she doesn't even understand her character in Stranger Things no. and how good okay. she would be. So whatever. Okay. I didn't know you had to go. You had to pass a dungeon test to be able to play this game. Fine. You do. <laughs> oh my god. 
Just eat your cold fries and chill. I don't like aliens. <laughs> I don't like aliens and scary sci-fi shit, so I didn't watch Stranger Things. Um. Okay. But you do, though. Mm-mm. Wrong. You'll enjoy it. You would like Stranger Things. I haven't watched that or Black Mirror. I feel like I should be watching Black Mirror. Uh, Black Mirror is interesting. Uh, Black Mirror It's got some dumb episodes. Yeah, like like dumb whole. Every scene. episode's yeah. different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Stranger Things is more important than Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Won't it world. scare me though? It's funny too. It's funny too. You're gonna like it. You'll laugh yeah, in the very funny. first episode. Honestly, you will. You'll be like, I like this show. Mm-hmm. It's it's, very, it's got this '80s kick to it. The music, like mm-hmm. you'll you'll enjoy it. It's good. I love Steve. I but there's Steve, a lot of yeah. jump scares. But it, it there is, but don't be a puss. And really not until I feel like the the last season was the scariest in terms of jump scares and stuff. Everything else was kind of like, eh, it wasn't really that scary. Really? Hmm. The first season was yeah. the creepiest to me because yeah, it really okay. sets Great. the stage and you don't, they don't dig in a lot, but no, it's, it's good. We all sleep. Haven't watched it. I've watched it. We all still sleep. You'll be fine, Stephanie. Hmm. Let's move on. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, a couple TV shows, movies worth mentioning based off books. Um, there's a show called The Summer I Turn Pretty on Amazon Prime. They just released the second season. It's based on the summer series by Jenny Han. Um, I thought it might be a cute show to watch with your daughters. Um, it's about a girl caught in a love triangle between two brothers as she deals with her first love and first heartbreak during the perfect summer. Haley and I both watched the first one. She's already watched number two, but I'm forcing her to have a girls' night tonight, so we're going to start number two again so I can watch it. It's cute. Nice. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give it a whirl. Um, there's also a show called Shelter on Amazon Prime based on the Mickey Bol- Bolitar series by Harlan Corbin. And it's a story of Mickey Bolitar and his new life with a mom in rehab, a dead father, an annoying aunt, and a new school in New Jersey. Um, I feel like it was giving me like Stranger Vibes, Stranger Things vibes. Um, but it also might be a cute show to watch with your kids too, maybe. Do you mean Harlan Coben? Correct. I yeah. was about to correct you. Coben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote Coben and said Corbin anyway. Because I was yeah. like, fuck it. I kept going. <laughs> and then I have one more I didn't write on the outline. But uh, we actually had just started it last night. And it's kind of in line with this book. It's not based on a book. Don't fucking slaughter me. But uh, oops. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Betrayal on Hulu. Um, it's about like this teacher of the year. Doting husband. Everyone loves the guy. He ends up getting charged with sexual assault by a student. And so his wife starts like creeping around on his computer and finds like hundreds of texts and photos and stuff. He had been cheating on her with like 60 different women. Her entire marriage had no inkling, no clue. Anyways, betrayal on Hulu. If you want to be angry at a man. I was going to say, that sounds face. like a fun thing to watch with your husband. <laughs> Look at um, this. <laughs> we, Terrence and I actually watched it last night. And at the first episode, he was like, what did he do? Because they're just like, slobbing this guy's knob the whole episode just blowing smoke of his ass just like making him out to be this wonderful man and Terrence is like I mean fuck even I want to marry him just like because they're just so (laughs) he's so good and you're like well yeah they're obviously building him up to be do something so devastating everyone's like oh my god blinded but (sighs) all right that's all I had is that it that's it that's it I think so all right, y'all. That was episode six. Hope you enjoyed yet another captive book. As many of you know, we recently got to meet our favorite author, Karen Slaughter, and Fangirl Out. 
We also got a personalized copy of her new book from the Will Trent series after that night. We were supposed to read a different book for our October pick, but we have zero self-control and could not wait that long to read her new book. So we're excited to announce that our next book club pick is After That Night by the GOAT Karen Slaughter. You can head over to our Instagram for release dates and further details about the book. And don't forget, guys, when you're over at Instagram, let us know how we did. The good and the bad. We really want to hear from you. And also, please subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform. And be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend. To tell a friend. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to us. We really appreciate all the support we received. You guys have been really awesome. Until next time, cheers, my friends, and happy reading. Cheers. Cheers. I'm out of drink. The worst thing that I ever did Was what I did to you But if I just showed up at your party Would you have me? Would you want me? Would you tell me to go fuck myself?